I mean, I'm a pool shark. I think you know that. Oh, big time. I've, I've always I've always been living in the pool halls. Uh, that's a that's a big thing for me. And when I saw Color of Money, I mean, I had seen Hustler, obviously, and I saw that I think which was good before I saw Color of Money. Yep. But I saw Color of Money after Top Gun, and I was you know Top Gun when you see it as a little kid, you're like, holy shit, Tom Cruise, right? Like, what's this dude? Like, this is crazy. I got to play volleyball. What other sports movies has he done? <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so I look up and I'm like, oh shit. Uh, he's in The Color of Money, the follow-up to The Hustler. I love The Hustler. This is great. He's ne- he- Was he the new Jackie Gleason character? I don't know. <laughs> and so that's where I saw her, and she was so perfect. Like I think that's an underrated movie. I think people who have seen The Color of Money really like it, but it's not one that I hear people bring it up over and over again. And particularly the people who are like talking about uh, sequels. That's sort of forgotten mm-hmm. as far as sequels are concerned. But anyway, she was excellent. The, the movie's excellent, but I'm like, oh, I... Oof. Interested to see what she's going to do. Then we've got The Abyss, which was enormous. I saw it once. It's not my thing. I just am not a big sci-fi person. But the movie was huge. Obviously, James Cameron, Ed Harris. And she's also lead character. Very, very good in it. And then she's in what we're going to talk about today, which, steal my fucking heart, anybody involved in this movie. um, Basically, you have an open invitation to live with me if you're in this movie so and that that goes for duncan (laughs) that blind bastard that goes for wolf whoever doesn't matter (laughs) bull especially but that dirty guy might have to stay outside what about what about guy of uh grisborne oh guy of gisborne guy of gisborne yeah absolutely yeah so again in today's movie and then kind of just disappeared i mean gone Perfect Storm is the next thing I remember seeing her in. And, <laughs> I, know, right? I mean, they gave her the role where George Clooney is like, Wahlberg's got Diane Lane. Hawks is working on something. I just, I'm going to go, I'm going to go into this storm because I can't be with her. I'm not going to do it. That's my option. <laughs> it was, this is a small ass down. <laughs> it was, I, I just, it felt like a very small role for somebody who had like, she's good. Like she has handled lead roles in movies and just to have her on a radio like don't go out there don't go out don't go i don't know that i'd say she's good she's an actress and she has been good but she's also been really bad and annoying but maybe that's what she's supposed to be i don't know see i like her i like her but it turns out like she just it didn't quite explode uh for her but she's done a lot of tv recently limitless punisher blind spot all that stuff so anyway uh she's gonna get a lot of talk on this episode yeah, that's for sure. So, I think the kid from it, Curly Sue maybe took her future roles, you know, because she had the hair. So I was just talking about Curly Sue the other day. Well, that's a good movie. That's why. <laughs> it is a good movie. You want but, a blonde uh, anyway, in the 90s? Who do you get? You get Kelly Lynch. That's right. There's no, there's just one. There's just one. So anyway, guys, welcome to the next episode of Cigarette Burns. You're here with Cole and Jed. Uh, today, we are talking about Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Uh, this movie was, uh, let's just say I received an email desperately asking us to do this episode. So, uh, Burner Sarah out there, thank you for asking us to cover what is, without question, the movie I have seen the most in my life. Wow. I have seen this. There, There is no doubt that I have seen this movie north of 150 times. Wow. And yep. this is not like an hour 30, hour 40. This is 223. 223, well, uh, and just as a little time check there, I think it's 245 if you watch the director's cut. Oh, oh, great. There's more stuff. 
More stuff needed to be added. There are multiple storylines they cut out of this movie. Because they had too many storylines to begin with. So that's no, surprising. <laughs> nah, you're getting that wrong. So Sarah and I, we grew up together. We've known each other since we were kids. And I used to bring this uh, VHS on uh, vacation. And so I have no idea how many times I probably made her and her brother and everybody else at the beach watch this movie. But I was obsessed with this movie. This was the first VHS I wore out. This has everything I'm into. And, and this is a reason that, and we covered this a little bit on the Tin Cup episode where Kevin Costner is my boy. I'm right now recording this episode while I'm looking at a Robin Hood Prince of Thieves action figure that you bought me. I did. That's true. Yep. That is on the wall. I have, people have got me Kevin Costner playing cards. I have a Kevin Costner dot art. I have a Kevin Costner roll of toilet paper that'll never get used. Can't do that to him. <laughs> I I have I have a Kevin Costner t-shirt. Thank you again, Jed. Yep, yep. And, and I am still looking for the wood burning that I almost bought on eBay like 15 years ago. Jesus that Christ. Was, it, <laughs> it was a wood burning of Kevin Costner as Robin Hood. And it was like 150 bucks. And I remember uh, I was living with Jay at the time. And I was like, man, should I do it? And he's like, you 100% should do it. I'm like, I think I should do it too. I really think I should do it. And he's like, yes. And I looked at the shipping and the shipping was a little, you know, it was like 15 or 20 bucks. And when you're making six and a quarter an hour at the time, you start doing the math and I'm like, I don't know. Is it really worth a week and a half pay or whatever, you know, whatever it comes out to? So worst decision I ever made was not to buy that. <laughs> I've been looking for it ever since. Yeah. Whoever snatched it up is holding on to it. So if if by chance anybody out there listening to this has that, send me an email. We can work something out because I got to have that. Would you say this is your Back to the Future, basically? Yes. Yeah. 100%. That sounds right. Yeah. Um, with a couple caveats. Number one, this is a better movie. Oh, my um, God. Fuck. Oh, okay. <laughs> I can't wait to get into this. <laughs> but I'm excited to talk about this, though, because a lot of the movies we pick – it's we both really like the movie and we want to talk about the movie or it's a movie that we've talked about kind of in passing before and we're just sort of getting into the deep dive this movie though i love unironically mm -hmm. given all of its problems it is a problematic movie a lot of it behind the scenes not in front of the camera but there are a lot of things that are shitty about this movie but it is so fucking good and so fun and i i love it to my core you, I think, actively dislike this movie. I saw this movie, I believe, on video. I did not see it in the theater. Because I think it was, what, like, 8 when it came out? Something like that? Maybe Yeah, I saw it almost. in the theater. Interesting. <laughs> Just because this movie's fucking weird. The tone is so goddamn all over the place. Some fucking violence, which, again, I don't care. Let two-year-olds see violence. Doesn't matter to me. But just as a kid being that young, like, fuck, I don't know that I would have got any part of this movie. But what are you saying? Ta you saying Tammy D shouldn't have taken me to the theater? To see look, this? Tam Dog makes wise choices left and right. That's what she does. <laughs> so that's, that's that's all good. But no, I saw. I think I saw it then. Didn't think about it. I think a couple times in college it was on HBO. You watch it in the background. But in the past couple of days, I've watched it twice because the first time I watched it, I was like, "Am I missing something?" <laughs> so then I watched it again, and on the second viewing, I realized. I wasn't missing anything. This movie's a fucking train wreck, man. I'm sorry. Like, I, I, I really don't like this film. And this will be interesting because I'm not like, 
oh, this is the worst piece of shit. It's not the worst movie ever. I completely agree with you. The problems are all behind the camera. The script sucks. I don't even know what production crews, and I mean crews because there was one crew filming the Robin Hood shit, and then in a completely different crew filming the Nottingham <laughs> stuff, and Alan Rickman is in a completely different movie. At least he has life to his character. Uh-huh. All the other ones, they cannot figure out what the fuck they're doing. There's problems left and right. Can't wait to get into it, though. Can't wait. I'm so excited. Yeah, no, it's going to be good. So, um, I don't know. Should we roll it? Let's do it. Give this ring to my sister, Marion. The snap will protect her for me. Might I have the pleasure of your name before I have you run through? Robin of Loxley. Welcome home. Azim, what does it mean? It means great one. Great? Really? Did you give yourself this name? Master. Either we take our chances with the ghosts or become ghosts ourselves. Seems I've made it past the gate, John Little. Or should I call you Little John? Planning to join us then, mate? No, to lead you. The, uh, the hangs are to be part of the celebration for the sheriff's marriage. I spend my life in hiding. The sheriff calls us outlaws. But I say we are free. If you truly believe in your hearts that you are free, then I say we can be. Yeah, but what about our kid? Sheriff's taking all they got, too. By God, we take it back. Okay, before we get into any of the background stuff or, or the, the back of the baseball card stats, tell me that music doesn't pump you up, though. This music sounds like the Olympics. I don't know what's going on. It does pump me up completely. Yeah, this this the not only the soundtrack, but the score Michael came and put together for this, and we're gonna I'm going to mention this more and more and more, is the technical standout of this movie. Mm-hmm. This is the, the, the off-screen standout is without question Michael Kamen. I mean, this score is so good that Morgan Creek used it as its actual title music for its banner. That's where I've heard it. I was like, I know I've heard this a thousand times. Where has this fucker been? Spectacular. Not to mention the fact that Brian Adams comes in with one of the greatest Canadian rock love ballads ever. Now, and I love that they use that theme throughout the film where you can hear that in bits and pieces. They do. They do. They, they really sort of introduce it for the first time, the orchestral uh, background of it. When Marion and Robin are letting her take Duncan away back to uh, Nottingham, yeah, That's sort of the first, yeah. the first woven in piece, and then you're addicted to it. Then it's like crack; you got to have it. And I'm sorry for the Netflix viewers if you guys are catching this on Netflix, they screw you out of the title sequence because if you watch this 
on DVD or the VHS or whatever, the title sequence goes on with the black screen and white credits for 20 seconds maybe. And then the rest of the credits roll through the music video with Brian Adams. And so Netflix said, you actually get the song. You don't get the song in the Netflix. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, we're getting So that's probably why you don't like the movie. You don't actually, you've never seen the end. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. That's probably it. That's so, probably it. Yeah, uh, right. okay, before b- before we get into your problems, I'm going to tell you some shit that's going to blow your mind. Oh, yeah, I can't uh, wait. So, this movie, made in 91, the budget, what do you think the budget was? Or, I should ask, did you look this up? I did not look any stats up, because I wasn't compelled to. <laughs> I knew you'd be coming with heat. Oh, man, I'm bringing it, baby. The, the, <laughs> the arm is loose. Look out. 91, this film, I'm going to guess, budget... Eighty? Nah. You thought that's eighty? I don't. I mean, that's what it looks like. The way they fucking <laughs> shot this goddamn thing in someone's backyard. Forty-eight million bucks. Okay. So okay. forty-eight million dollars. Forty-eight. Budget. Good. Hey, it looks good for a forty-eight million dollar budget. Put it that way. Looks amazing. Looks amazing <laughs> for a forty-eight million dollar budget. Worldwide, how much do you think this made? I remember this being a fairly big film. I, I do remember that. Like this was this was a thing. That one shot with the arrow flying into the other arrow, and then Shit, the yes. fire in the background of him shooting the flaming arrow. Like I remember those were like epic shots that people were like, "Man, did you fucking see that movie?" I'm gonna guess worldwide, two seventy. Worldwide, three hundred and ninety million dollars. Jesus Christ. Okay. Wow. This movie was the second highest grossing movie of 1991. The only movie that made more was T2. That makes sense. Yeah. So this was a huge fucking hit. Yeah. And yeah. I think all of that, or most of it, has to be due to the fact that I think it's easy now to forget that Kevin Costner at this time was the biggest movie star in the world. Oh, absolutely. I, really don't, I don't think it was close. I mean, he's coming off of, he was editing dances at the time that he signed on to this movie. Mm-hmm. But this was his first movie in theaters after dances where he very rightfully won Best Picture and Best Director. We don't have to get into that. <laughs> um, oh my God. That's just one of the... <laughs> crazy ass thing that's gonna come out of your fucking mouth today man (laughs) so this is the run though from 85 to 91 american flyers which if you guys haven't seen american flyers is a really good cycling movie like a really good 80s cycling movie the untouchables no way out bull durham field of dreams revenge dances with wolves and then this and then he follows this up with jfk like he's in the middle of his 10-year domination of hollywood and he's gonna come out in this swords you know middle ages epic robin hood movie that doesn't look like any robin hood movie you've really seen every time somebody said robin hood i think up until then it was errol flynn green tights feather in the fucking hat jaunty robin hood yeah this one had, you know, that grittier look. Even when you watch the trailer, it's different costumes, uh, different locations, uh, uh, grimier, like you said earlier, more violent look to it. Um, yeah, it's Robin Hood other. with a budget. I think before, I don't yeah. think they really had put a ton of money into a Robin Hood movie. Well, and I think, too, when you get Robin Hood movies, and I don't know, is the Robin Hood story something you're particularly interested in? No. See, I love it. I'm a, I love the Robin that, That's another reason Kevin Costner and I get along so well. We are really tight, by the way. Yeah, uh, obviously. He does sports movies, he does westerns, and he did Robin Hood. Like, those those are three things I fucking am obsessed with. Mm-hmm. So, I had seen all the Robin Hoods leading up to this. I've seen all the Robin Hoods since. And I was just, this is tailor-made for the shit that I'm into. 
I was also excited to see this sort of grittier, hardcore, different story Robin Hood. But when you get a Robin Hood story, you have things that you're supposed to expect. It's sort of like a James Bond movie, right? When you get a James Bond movie, you need to expect certain things. You got to expect the car. You got to expect some humor. You got to expect the girl. You got to, you know, all the the weird ass uh, villain, right? Yeah. With Robin Hood, I need Little John in some capacity, I who's enormous. Mm-hmm. I need I need an archery contest of some kind. I need Maid Marian, and I need Sheriff of Nottingham slash Prince John. Those are the two villains. You know, it kind of goes back and forth. I really dug in this movie as we'll go through how those elements were changed up because you do get all of those but not in the same general now we cut to the scene with the archery contest now we introduce maid marion as a damsel in distress as she always is i i do enjoy that that being said i have a feeling we're going to get into some scripting issues but before we get there uh let's talk about who was involved we have michael came and we talked about did the music your favorite screenwriters Penn densham and john watson wrote the script oh um okay <laughs> No, I'm 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 waiting. I'm waiting. Would you like to you like to know what else they wrote? By the way, John Watson, two time Oscar nominee. Mm-hmm. Not for this. Not for writing though. A couple short films. Yeah. Back in the eighties. Uh they they sort of just transitioned into producing Shocking. after they wrote this. But this script sold for like a million and a half bucks. I mean, I'm telling you, man, why are we not writing something right now? <laughs> and going back in a time machine to 91 because they'll buy anything evidently kevin reynolds was the director and kevin reynolds has a really interesting career not just on his own but with kevin costner because his first feature film i believe was fandango and so he directed that with kevin costner they obviously struck up a friendship then they did robin hood and then they did Waterworld, and then their relationship really fell apart after Waterworld. they, they got into a they got into a big feud. How is Fandango? They, I've never seen that film. I like Fandango, but I like westerns. Like okay. it's, I I like it. It's it's not incredible. It doesn't reinvent the wheel. I don't think about watching it like every year, but I've probably seen it four or five times. Like it's an enjoyable movie to have on in the background. But so they get into this gigantic feud after Waterworld, and he doesn't direct much. Like he's made three movies that I really like: Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Fandango. I should say four. Waterworld, which I think is a fun movie. It is flawed all over the place. But noticing a theme here a... with the Kevin Costner films. <laughs> fun movie. I love no, it. No, no, no. I've seen it a thousand times. Flawed all over the place. Those are Kevin Reynolds' problems. Oh, oh, okay. Just strictly his. Okay, gotcha. Gotcha. And he directed The Count of Monte Cristo. The Caviz one? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that which, one. Again, I like that that's movie. A, it's a fun fucking movie. Fucking fat Henry Cavill. <laughs> so He's made, like, between between Monte Cristo, uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and Waterworld, his movies have grossed, like, a quarter of a billion dollars. And nobody wants to touch him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nobody wants to give him a job. And it's because, you know, he is... Uh, Not good. I think he does literally one thing well. I think he is good at large-scale, like, an action sequence. Absolutely. This film is built around the action that. set pieces. And the yes. connective tissue sucks. And that's what that's what he excels at. Like he even helped out on like the big uh, buffalo scene in Dances with Wolves. Mm-hmm. I think the I think what he what his primary expertise is is assembling large scale set pieces. Anything intimate, it gets very choppy. Because uh, you know what, and... Kevin, let me give you a bit word of advice here. Intimate does not mean shove the camera in the actor's fucking face. 
Yeah. What is going yeah, he, on with the close-ups in this goddamn movie? First of all, your tone is out of control. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just having the tone that the film has all over the place. <laughs> so, so we got Kevin Reynolds directing it. Our cast is actually stacked in 1991. Like this is oh, absolutely. This is a big ass cast. We had obviously Casey killing it. Morgan Freeman coming off of Lean on Me, Driving Miss Daisy, and Glory. We've got Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio, which we said was coming off Color, Money in the Abyss. And Alan Rickman, who was just coming off of Die Hard and Quigley Down Under, which is a movie I really like, where he plays essentially Hans Gruber. And he basically plays Hans Gruber in this. Yeah. Um, he's, he's becoming a very good go-to likable menace. And that's why he turned down Robin Hood like three times. He kept saying, no, 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 no. And then they basically look at him and go, okay, you can do whatever you want with this part. And then he's like, oh, okay. And I think we can both agree he does whatever he wants with this part. Oh, he absolutely does. To me, he's the standout in this film. He I is. don't think he realizes what movie he's fully in. He thinks he's in some kind of Shakespearean comedy slash tragedy slash whatever over the top. But I love it. It works. He's the only character when they come on screen where I'm like, yes, someone with some life, someone with some personality, someone who kind of gets it is allowed to do his thing and I, I enjoy his performance above uh, above the rest. I don't really fault the actors, though. I'm going to be honest with you. I think they're, the directing that they were given was awful. And so they really don't know what to do because you find a kind of see it where you can see that I bet you they filmed this scene when they figured some shit out. Even though the scene happens before stuff that happens later on. Because in later on scenes, it's like they hadn't figured shit out yet. They hadn't yep. nailed the tone yet. It's it's yep. all over the it's all over the place. We'll get to that, but it's just yeah. So I can't really fault the actors. I can't fault Casey. I think he did the best with what he could with the material. Morgan Freeman is always good, and I think he's good yes. in this. And he makes what should have been a really shitty role into a memorable one. Yeah, and, and I think Morgan Freeman is probably the most tonally consistent. Yeah, throughout the film. Uh, but I also think his character seemed to be the most realized which is a weird thing to say about a supporting character in a movie uh but his his was a, a more complete more completely written it seemed like but he's also like you said always good we also have christian slater coming off of pump up the volume every podcast has to give pump up the volume a shout out because you know ground zero for what we're doing right now fucking love that movie by the way christian slater gets billing above alan rickman i know right i thought that was weird. i thought that was weird but go ahead go on with your bad self there you little broken arrow you <laughs> and so Nick Brimble I gotta shout out Nick Brimble as Little John I've always loved his performance as Little John I think there's a lot of really good character actors Absolutely. that are in this film and, and I think there's actually a lot more memorable performances than just Alan Rickman I love Michael McShane as Friar Tuck Friar Tuck, he, he steals it for me too totally he does, agree. so there's a lot of memorable performances and I think that's what is allowed me as a younger person to just attached to this movie so much because as a younger kid i'm not really looking at man there's some really weird editing choices here or boy the set design is not great or why is the camera up in their face so much in a scene where you didn't necessarily have to have that nah so i i think that by the time i got to be able to notice those flaws those flaws were just sort of like 
Oh, you burnt the edge of the marshmallow. That's okay. It still tastes good. I, I actually kind of like it because it's a little dirtier. So yeah, totally flawed, but fucking perfect movie. Don't worry about it. I'm not interested in your, you know, little negativity here. It will not ruin this for me. I promise. Oh, you may not be interested in it, but you're going to get it. <laughs> so Much like Marion uh, at the end. <laughs> wow. Wow. Jed's coming in well rested for this episode. Jesus. Last thing before we kind of get into the nuts and bolts. I, I had mentioned Rickman ad-libbed a bunch of his stuff. This was also one of three Robin Hood movies that were in development at the time. Why do they have to do that, by the way, where they always I have know, multiple I have no in development at the same time? The only thing I can think of is the fact that, like, all these studios talk to each other. And so somebody, like, some assistant's like, yeah, we're developing a Robin Hood. And then they go, oh, we should get a Robin Hood. And then, <laughs> oh, we should get a Robin Hood. And so KC was... a not attached, but sort of in discussions for a different Robin Hood, didn't like the script or the story or whatever they were doing with it, then got hooked up with this one. And so then it became like this race to what, when can we get there? Whoever's going to be first is going to be the Robin Hood that exists. Mm -hmm. And so that's what ended up kind of happening with this film. And I think probably once KC signed on to it, being who he was at the time, yeah, probably was able to Get the financing together, get it rocking and rolling. And last part about the gross is the fact that there's never been a true accounting of this film's gross and profit share. And in like 2012, 2013, KC sued Morgan Creek Productions because he's like, all of a sudden, like, I'm not getting my profit statements because he got 15 points on this movie. Wow. Like, 15 yeah. fucking points? Yeah. The He's made a little north of $40 million on this movie. Jesus. But that's just... But that's just based on the gross, not distribution rights, which he also got points on. And Morgan Creek just started to not send him private law statements. Oh my god! Every year, the way they're supposed to, and then they sold, they like sold the distribution rights, uh, which was in violation of their agreement, to a company that the CEO of Morgan Creek owned, or something like that. So there was this big fucking lawsuit. Wow! And Casey was just like, "Look, we made an agreement." I'm just trying to hold up to the agreement. It doesn't matter how much money I've already made on this movie. Give yeah. me a break. This is our agreement. And so they ended up settling it out of court on the uh, on the eve of trial. And I, I don't know what the terms of that were. but uh, So we really don't know kind of how much money this movie has made. Jesus. But I do feel like it's very well loved. Worldwide, it seems like. Because of that 390, like 230 of it was uh, overseas. You know, it was like 165 domestic. All right, man. Should we head let's do it all right the title sequence i gotta talk about because you guys know after a year of doing this i'm a title sequence guy i like it man i think the mood the 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 tempo of the music gets me pumped and all you're looking at is this really bad piece of medieval art mm -hmm. uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> the title's just going over but the the thumping nature of the music is like man this is rob like what's going on here and when it does that hard cut into a prison in Jerusalem, I'm sort of like, whoa, wait a minute. I thought I was watching a Robin Hood movie. Yeah, that's the thing. Because this title sequence is like two and a half minutes. It's long. They don't cut out anyone. I think the first AD's mother-in-law gets a credit for some reason. <laughs> Fine. Whatever. She, she worked hard. But we are in the third crusade to reclaim the Holy Land from the Turks. We're in Jerusalem. It's 1194 AD. And Robin Hood, Robin of Loxley, is in prison where he's been for five years. And we find out later he's been gone for nearly six. So Robin got captured early on. 
He got captured early on. Yeah, he went straight to, it seems, prison. And we're going to have to talk about some of the timing elements of this movie. I'm yeah, sure. yeah, because uh, I, I can't wait to know what you think about how old <laughs> these people are supposed to be, given that it's six years that they were gone. We'll get there, man. We'll get there. Can't wait. So. I'm so fucking excited. Did anybody else ever try to remove their fucking hand, though? Because it seems like they were blown away by the fact that what we're going to do is we're going to tie a little rope around your arm. I'm going to hold the end of that rope, and you're going to keep your arm there. No one's ever going to jerk their arm away to try to like, hey, don't cut my arm off. Not going to happen. Well, the dude, wasn't the dude like eating an apple or something? Like he was snacking. He like was really just kind of phoning in. He, you know, for five years, though, the hair on KC strong. strong. Strong, Very flowing th- locks, th- nice beard. Yep. The beard game is on. I mean... Look, Peter, I, you're I, too I much of a good. bitch. You're not going to be able to survive <laughs> this. I'm going to say that I stole this. I guess we've been in prison for stealing for five years, and they're just now getting to our sentencing. I don't know what's well, going on there. But here's my other question, too, is this is the Crusades. They are in Islamic-held Jerusalem, mm-hmm. and they are in prison, apparently for stealing bread, I feel like, wouldn't they just be in prison for being Christian soldiers trying to sack the city of Jerusalem? I would think so. Yes. That is a very good point. I just a little, I was always confused about like, uh, this one stole some bread. Also, he's from England and was trying to murder us. Feels like <laughs> yeah. the end of that sentence. Um, but hey, my man steps up, starts a riot, gets that other dude's hand cut off. <laughs> yes, and, he does. <laughs> and we have, and we have another good like action sequence and that's what this you said that that's what this movie's built on is this movie is built on get me to the next action sequence yep but what i like about it and yeah it stretches the movie to 223 um which is about three or four hours too short in my opinion <laughs> this but, movie needs to be 140 at most i'm sorry that's the last time i'm gonna say we, it i'm not gonna harp on it that's my thoughts but though. we get to know these characters like we get to know these relationships we get to see these characters grow and I'm not as interested in rushing through it because there are so many action sequences interspersed. I don't feel the pace slow down. Really? You don't? <laughs> okay. <laughs> now nah, we're going to move on from that one. Okay. There's no pace slowdown. Yep. Oh, it's going to be good. I have a question Strap for you. In. So Peter is Fire away. Maid Marion's brother. Yep. He fucking dies, right? Yep. And we flash to Loxley Castle. Okay. Well, first of all, we got to talk about how Jack Morgan Freeman is first. Well, yeah, he know he jacked. You right on that. Fifty three years old. He was fifty three years old. Yes. He was post Wilfred Brimley in Cocoon. He was way past the Brimley line. Wow. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. Jacked. No shit. No kidding, man. <laughs> well, you have to be to get that sword in the sheath. That makes no sense dimensionally because the sword is thin. At the top and real big at the at the end, but the the sheath is thin at the top and real big at the end. How do you put that in? How, how See, does that this work? is the problem with you. This is the problem with you watching this movie. Is you're focusing on shit like that. I'm focusing on shit that makes absolutely zero sense and just jumps out at me. I'm sorry. I will. Here's what you should be focusing on. First of all, he's so strong he's gonna make that fit. Number two, <laughs> okay. He just he just takes a melon and just snaps it on his knee. And yeah. It's like there you go. You can have this half. Have some honeydew. <laughs> I can't believe I've never tried that. I want to try that so bad, but I'm afraid that I'm going to do that and my knee's going to shatter. I do love that like it looks like in 1194 AD. I don't know that I would say food is everywhere, but when they escape, there's just melons left and right. Melons on melons on melons. We're just going to mm-hmm. steal a couple of these out of these baskets. Let's go. 
Here's my big question, though, other than the sure. fact that, obviously, Orson Welles, had he been alive, would have played Locksley's yes, dad. Yes, right? <laughs> right? But no, and, and I don't, I, if I'm jumping around too much, I, I apologize. Jump around my, all my you big want. Question, I, I actually just want to answer all your questions to this movie. My big question is, four months after these fuckers escaped from prison and Robin's dad uh, was killed, they get back home to England. So he has been with Azim, who has now pledged his... His life to him is allegiance. He owes him one because he saved him from getting murdered. He's been with this fucker for four months on a boat, whatever. They somehow get their way back. I don't, we don't need to cover. To me, it'd be an interesting story how they actually got out of there and actually got onto a boat and found someone and got clothes that looked like normal and found some money when all they had was like four melons to their name. Whatever. Well, my guess, it, my guess is the money thing was him going, I'm Robin of Loxley. Get me home. I got you. Okay, if that if that works, uh, if he's well known, great. My big question is, he's with this fucker for four months. You're on a boat. You're traveling. You're you're on the ground. You're traveling on the road. You're gonna form a bond. You're gonna become somewhat kind of friends because this guy's pledged his life to you. They get ash- ashore on England. The first thing this fucker does is try to have him killed, and then and then after it doesn't work, he's like, well, I had to try it. I would have too. What? Why? 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 Why did you have to try it? Can you explain that to me? Hey, you gotta try it, man. Why? Gotta He's been it. together for four fucking months. The guy's helped him get home. Dude, I've tried to have you killed a couple of times. <laughs> the fact that you've survived those attempts on your life is why we're friends. It's right? just you lazy fucking writing. It makes no, like, it doesn't make any sense. The story doesn't need it. No. I want them to be friends. Why not? They've been together four months. Have them be friends. Been together four months, and he's just now talking about women that this guy's like fucked or why he was in prison? Like, what is going on here? Look, I don't necessarily need that second piece of cake, <laughs> but I want it, just, all right? Uh, I do want... I'm hoping that during that bizarre attempt murder, <laughs> did you see the one guy on the boat that had the net? Yeah. Like, we're going to catch him with the net? Yep. yep. <laughs> so, um, not... Not a great plan all around, honestly. It was, it seemed shoddily put together. And every time they're like, he's a moor, the first thing that pops in my head is the true romance scene. And so I laugh and I love it. (laughs) See, I actually do. I'm glad you brought up humor because I think there's a ton of humor, whether it's intentional or unintentional (laughs) in this movie. I laugh a lot in this movie. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> One thing I do want to talk about uh, that's a behind-the-scenes thing, but you get to see it on the camera, and I think it's excellent. The costumes, I think, are phenomenal in this movie. Very good. I agree with you 100%. It, it's not kitschy, and I did... Uh, the commentary is really interesting to listen to, because Kevin uh, Costner and Kevin Reynolds do the commentary. It's like an 04, 05, so they've sort of made up a little bit after the Waterworld fallout. Okay. And so they're talking about all this stuff, and when they land in England... They bring up a couple of things, one being like Kevin Costner had on this cloak and everything that was so heavy and it just soaked up the water that the reason he had to get lifted off the beach is he couldn't stand up. The thing weighed like 200 pounds. (laughs) And he was he was like, I was so afraid I was going to fall over this boat. And he's like, I would have sunk to the bottom. I never would have been able to get back to the top. It was so heavy. And if you watch this, if you watch the scene, you can see. Sort of some bad editing because it's like cloak over him, so cloak not on him. Cloaked over him, so cloak not on him. But this is also the part in the commentary, and I just want to get past this because I want to talk about the other great stuff in the movie. This film uh, gets knocked a little bit for having a Robin Hood that doesn't speak with an English accent. Mel Brooks 
mentions this in Robin Hood Men in Tights. And in my opinion, it's not necessary. John David Washington, I think, agrees with me. <laughs> I just, I, I don't think it was needed. And for me, it didn't take anything away from the movie. I am not a guy who needs the accents in order to make it authentic at all. Like, honestly, Valkyrie, fine. My problem is do that throughout the whole film. Pick a strategy and go with it. Don't all of a sudden when you're at home and you're like, this is my land, start trying a fucking English accent out of nowhere. Like you haven't done it for the previous 20 minutes this movie's been on and now you're all of a sudden going to try it and then it's going to go away. And I just, that's the part where it's like, I mean, when you decide later on, can't you refilm that scene? It's just real quick or dub it. ADR, whatever the fuck it's called, like something, because that's what catches me where it's like, why? Why is he all of a sudden trying this fucked up accent? So don't listen to me. Uh, Here is the definitive answer on why the accent went wrong. Well, there's my dumbass accent. The, uh, I, uh, this was a a, a point of contention for Kevin and I, and and Kev's, I'll let him say, but, but I, knew in his mind he said you know was kevin look it's not important where this movie's concerned because of the way it lays out and uh, and i was no I, I need to try and do this and so i got ridiculed pretty tough and kevin let me try and what a great location that was but might as well put it out there it was something i wanted to do and i wasn't very good at it if I ever get the chance to do it again, I'm going to do it again, and I'm going to I'm going to get it right. But well, uh, you know, I think in the spirit of the commerciality of the movie, you you were probably right. It still works. Humility is my man's name of the game. Okay, <laughs> Kevin Costner is nothing if not humble, and he says he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. And you know, I I do appreciate where he says, well, if I ever get the chance to do it again, stop right there. I really don't think anyone's going to ask you to, honestly. You're you're my guy, but I don't don't think that offer is coming. I do always laugh, though, when it's like, because Christian Slater's English accent is also not terribly good. He's sort of, Christian Slater's accent is more, I'll pick words that I can say with an English accent. Fuck me, clear it! Great ad lib, by the way. Phenomenal ad lib. Eat shit, it's hilarious. Well, we're going to get to the catapult. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's a little ways down the road. But, like, when he's talking, when Christian Slater's telling him he's his brother, and it's all straight American accent, Christian Slater, but he's very comfortable saying, Stot it. <laughs> <laughs> so he keeps throwing that in there. And all I can see is, like, Nick Brimble and all the supporting cast that are all these character actors from England that are stage actors just going, Oh, God. Seriously, guys? <laughs> this, this shit again? Yep. Really? But anyway, uh, that is the definitive answer about the accent, and uh, it shall not be discussed anymore. So Sure. I have nothing else to say about it. <laughs> I like that dogs and horses and the ten men they needed to chase this fucking kid down. By the way, there's nothing around them. So how much of a head start did this kid have that they couldn't catch him on horses and with dogs? See, that, that's another question I have on a lot of the chase sequences. Uh, this one in particular, but also when Azim and Robin and Duncan are fleeing to Sherwood Forest from Marion's place. They leave Marion's, right? And there's just a bunch of cut-to vistas of horses running, and all of a sudden you see nothing. <laughs> yep. For Maz, I'm like, is this a two-and-a-half-hour horse chase? Might be. I don't understand. Yeah. It, but, it's uh, it's yeah. crazy shit, man. And then they get to, like, paradise in Sherwood Forest. It's 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 interesting. We're gonna get there, obviously, but yeah. 
So yeah, so the sheriff and the dogs and the horses, I don't know where that kid's coming from. Mm-mm. He's got phenomenal uh, cardiovascular health. Yes, he does. And to, to also just have the strength to hop up that tree. Yeah, absolutely. Now, he hopped up that tree, but the knights were going to have to cut it down with the smallest fucking axe you've ever... Like, how long was that going to take? That was going to take That was gonna take an insanely long time, and none of them could have climbed up that tree. It's very interesting to me that that's not... what. You know what? Seems like they maybe would have had some arrows or something. Yeah. Shoot that fucking kid down. Something. Yeah. They uh they had crossbows, uh multiple crossbows, because after Rob starts dominating. Because he used the shit, them. He uses yep. multiple crossbows. Exactly. Yeah. You you have to take a lot of stuff on faith uh <laughs> when you're watching this movie. But that's why it works. Okay. Oh, is that is that what makes it work? I think that's, that's, that. what that's what makes, makes it, it good. Work. Yeah. What they say about movies is don't just grant one premise, grant a thousand (laughs) premises, and then you got to grant all the premises. Yeah, grant them all. (laughs) All the premise. (laughs) And I mean, the the kid is good. He's cute. He's actually a decent actor. So he's he's like a a likable child actor. Um, I love the shit talking Azim coming down (laughs) and being Mm -hmm. like, look, I'll save your life when I feel like saving your life. That's kind of how my (laughs) vows go. I guess to get my prayer on, okay, dog? Yeah, it's not, it's not necessarily a dedication to you that I'll be by you forever. It's just, if I'm around, when your life is in danger, mm-hmm. I will perhaps attempt to save your life. And frankly, I fucking love that attitude, because Rob could be taken down a peg or two. Uh, and I like that he continues to get taken down pegs at yes. the beginning of this movie in Act 1. I, I enjoy that. Um, I think there's layers to this script that you have to peel back and you start seeing. Oh, uh, again. Okay, layers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's my question, though. I mean, sure. Loxley has, when he left, obviously, six years ago. Lock and change mm-hmm. is six years, evidently. When he left, it sounds like he had the reputation of being a fucking pushover nothing. Because Nottingham's like, ah, Loxley's nothing. He's a fucking piece of shit. And everyone's like, well, he's just like, we'll easily take him down. What the fuck happened? Like, I want to talk about it right now. I want to talk about it. how old do you think Robin is when he comes back? So I think Robin 30. Okay. So we're saying he left when he was 24. Let's say yeah. 23. Let's just say 23 to be safe. He was a pussy at 23 <laughs> and he looked completely different. People didn't recognize him. Don't yeah, know what he looks yeah. like anymore. The years yep. have been hard on that uh-huh. mullet. Uh-huh. Well, the years so- haven't been hard on the mullet. The mullet is strong. <laughs> I just, I'm sorry, you're making up a story, make it 15 years, make it something I was just gonna that say, makes sense. The problem is, is that it was six years and not 16. 16 cures the whole problem. It's so easily solved. Like, yeah. I mean, come on. Are, are, well, maybe the screenwriters were just afraid that everyone watching the movie was going to be so intimately familiar with the dates of the Third Crusade that they'd be like, whoa, 16? No, that would not, that doesn't track. Because here's the thing, like... Later on, if he's if he's 24 when he left, Marion's like, I remember you as that boy who used to burn my hair. I mean, yeah. you was like 23 doing that shit to her. What are you? What is going on here? And how old was she? Was she 14? Well, and especially like 23, 24. That's like 78 percent of your life. Yeah. In 1190. No kidding. Or whatever the yeah. fuck it is. So, so I don't want to harp I, on that, but I just find no, it like it's such an easy fix, man. I mean, to buy the premise, literally, he'd have to be 20 when he came back. Yeah. And it means you're going off to war at 13, 14. 
Which actually makes significantly more sense to me. Yeah. Like, people going off to war at 13, 14, back in the Crusades, was absolutely a thing. So that, I completely understand. But yeah, him coming back as, like, a 35-year-old, you know, it's a tough sell if your conceit is going to be, all I remember of you was <laughs> Yes, yes. So, yeah, yeah. You were my, my brother's best friend. You were always around the house. All this kind of shit. I mean, every time that happens, I have the same reaction that Robin has when he sees his dead father's body. No! <laughs> yeah, no, I, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. Still fucking perfect movie. Uh, moving on. So so we get to Loxley Castle, right? Yep. Uh, we have Dad hanging for however long he's been hanging. Four months, it sounds like it's been, because Duncan said, you know, four months ago, I've been surviving. Even though I'm blind, I can't see shit. Somehow I have found food. Here's what I want to know, even more than the food. Uh, who is shaving Duncan? Yeah, good question. Great question. Good, strong five o'clock stubble there. Mm -hmm. I, I was just like, I mean, he's probably had time to figure it out. Um, but <laughs> Duncan is one of my favorite characters. I like the characters. Yeah. I'm a fan of the characters in this movie. I don't think I'll, I'll give you an honest moment and I'll let my sort of fanboy nature of this movie sit aside for a minute. I think if you shaved 30 minutes off of this movie, tightened up some very easily fixable script points, probably take away, sadly, Mortiana. Yes. It's unnecessary. Completely. As, as memorable of a character as she is, it's unnecessary. Those three things, this movie is a tight 145, mm -hmm. and I really don't think there's a lot to nitpick about it. Now, I can't do much about the camera movements. I can't do really anything about who directed it. Pick a different director, these. a different cinematographer. There you well, go. Well, but, but even with the same stuff, <laughs> even with the same yeah. cuts, even with the same camera movement, you're probably still like, eh, that'll work. Yeah. Like, that, yeah. that movie. that movie's probably cleaner. I mean... When it makes what it made and it did what it did, I don't think anybody's really looking to fix a perfect movie, and I'm certainly not one of those people trying to do that. But I do I do recognize those problems and see that one of the issues with them that would stick with me and probably does is they're so easily fixed. Mm -hmm. I think the writers got obsessed with trying to rewrite the Robin Hood story, and they were like, here are the things we need to have to make it a Robin Hood film, and we'll filter those in but let's turn everything on its head, which is another thing I really like about this film, but it's also part of why the Ridley Scott movie went astray a little bit with its sort of retelling of the Robin Hood, which uh, well, I'm sure we'll get into either later in this episode or even in a different episode because it's another movie I actually think is good. Better than this one, in my opinion. I enjoy that one more. But Yeah, well, and, and the thing with the other movie is it's a, it's a streamlined story. Like, it's not a confusing story. It's a very straightforward script. It's a much more thorough script. Ridley Scott is a better director than uh, Kevin Reynolds by quite a bit. And Kate Blanchett. Yeah, Kate, well, and the cast is incredible, too. I mean, Kate oh, Blanchett is perfect. Uh, Russell Crowe, awesome. Matthew McFadden is Sheriff of Nottingham. Oscar Isaac, great. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's actually a very good movie. Like, yeah. The problem with it is it was called Robin Hood, and Robin Hood doesn't exist until the end credits. Correct. And so it should have it should have been called like Loxley or something like it should have just been like this is a prequel. And I think people not knowing it was a prequel sat through two hours of a movie and went like that wasn't Robin Hood. I don't understand. Yeah, I, I completely I agree know. with you. That's what I like, heard from people when they saw it, too. 
Yeah. yeah, it's like we don't get to Sherwood Forest until the very end. Like, that's the end of the movie as we walk into Sherwood Forest for the first time. Yeah. Anyway, I think the characters of this movie, though, are, are what holds it together and what makes it so enjoyable. And we get to meet Duncan and we don't spend too much time with him. And then, okay, we're going to avenge my dad's death. Now, here is one thing I do like about, I, and I think this stands up to your scrutiny of this movie, is we are at a point where we still don't quite know what the quest is. Like, what is the plot of the movie? Exactly. And I'm okay with it because we've been establishing characters the entire time. If we had if we had just been going on walks and vistas and we're not, there's no dialogue and we're not establishing a friendship between Azim and Robin and we're not meeting uh, Marion and we're not meeting Duncan and all that stuff, then it's a complete waste of time to me. But we're establishing these characters... And we're, we're sort of putting together, when we meet Guy of Gisborne, he recognizes Robin of Loxley's name, which means he knows Robin's dad, which means he knows why they've taken the land, which, uh, you know, he says this has all been forfeited and the sheriff's going to hear about it. So we're getting all of these pieces of information put together. So then he buries his dad and I start to think, well, maybe this is going to be a story about revenging my dad's death, which, hey, getting revenge or avenging someone's death, I get that. Why does he have to cut his hand? I don't know. And why does he have to cut it so deep? And so deep. Yeah. It's, it's such it's such a severe injury. It is. It for really is. like maybe a little like a little blood sugar check prick in the in the finger maybe <laughs> or something. I'm not real sure. Dominant hand like that's the hand that holds the bow. Yeah, right? like, no, that would you hold... need that. You need that to be strong. Yeah. yeah. That was yeah. it seemed like an unnecessary injury to undertake. I agree completely. No problem yeah. for me on that one. But so they go then, and then they go to Marion's house. And this is where, again, we get humor in, infused into this script. And I do think the gags, for the most part, work. The gag with Duncan getting pissed off about uh, Muslims. Yes. And saying, oh, Azim, I've never heard that. What, what kind of name is that? Oh, shit. Damn it. <laughs> that was a and... very quick cut, by the way, right after that happened. Yes. I got whiplash. I'm not going to lie to yeah. you. And no, here's no, the no, thing. There's... Here's the thing I want to point out. I just want to say in the beginning here, when we first meet Marion, not the one pretending to be Marion for Robin's sake, but uh, all that kind of stuff. The actual Marion, she is a ninja. She is skilled with a weapon. She can defend herself. She is strong. That is the Marion we meet. The Marion at the end of the film, not that at all. And we're gonna no. get to that. I know, but it's just like. You guys have established this. Did you forget it? What happened? Yes. That was a Chekhov's gun fuck up. No kidding. If I were to rewrite this movie, if you were to give me a shot at changing some things, I would have had her kill the Sheriff of Nottingham. No shit, because he's the one that tried to rape her. I've always, always wondered, like, why is she awesome, like, hardcore badass fighter at the beginning? Because she's been having to protect her family. And then, they, I mean, they don't even hint at it afterwards. Like, no. It's just, it just evaporates in that scene. And then she changes into a dress, and then it's damsel in distress Marion sort of the rest of the time. Yep. Uh, the scene that goes on a little too long, she's explaining some things, you know, about what Nottingham has done and, and the, the issues. I never quite understood the clapback at Robin when he's like, well, I see you still have your lands. She's like... Well, I've given them no reason to take them. Well, we've already established that the sheriff just murdered my dad. Like, yeah. he wasn't a devil worshiper. I've never quite understood that. But 
hey, at least we get to the part where Azim shows Rob what the scope is and he can't figure it out. And it's fucking funny. That is funny. That is fucking funny. And and Kevin Costner plays that perfectly. Of course he does. Perfectly. How did your uneducated kind ever take Jerusalem? God knows. Yeah, it's fantastic. Like, he plays uh, the straight man dope in this movie. And I have hope when I see that. When I see that shit, I'm like, yeah. oh, good. There it is. There's the tone. And then we get to the next scene where they're in Sherwood Forest and he battles with Little John. And the entire time I'm like, please let the rest of the movie be like this. Please let the rest yeah. of the movie. This is the tone no. that I want from this movie. The, the start of the movie from a storyline standpoint, I think is spectacular because it throws you on your head and you don't quite know what you're expecting. But it's a very serious and gritty and, and dramatic tone. Yes. Once we start the chase to Sherwood Forest, that throughout the rest of the movie to me, and maybe that's why I sort of forget the beginning of the movie, is I love the, the tone for the most part for the rest of the movie. There are some serious spots, but it's a lot of humor. It's a lot of classic 90s montage filmmaking, um, a lot of really good music, beautiful forest, funny little one-liners and quips. I, I've always loved the scope gag just because not only is it hilarious and played perfectly, but it's also a little nod to when Dunbar shows off the binoculars and Dances with Wolves. Mm. So it's a little callback to that. You remember Dances with Wolves? It was the best picture in 1990. You remember that? You broke. I didn't catch your audio. We can move on past that. I don't need to oh. hear anything. Oh, uh, you, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. Well, sorry. it was, it no, was, uh, cool. it, yeah. Yeah, it'd be good, fellas. Um, well, fuck so, you, dude. We're not going to start <laughs> going down that. You already got me so, on edge with this goddamn movie. So, so we, uh, <laughs> rightfully so, be good, fellas. And so we got oh, into Sherwood Forest. And Duncan is like, yo, we can't be going to Sherwood Forest. It's haunted with wind chimes. This shit is scary in there. There's ghosts. Are you fucking crazy? And I just feel like I would look back at Duncan and be like, I mean humans cut your eyes out how much scarier is life really going to be for you that's a great point it's Sherwood forest i mean i'm not oh, trying to man. be an asshole but i mean they literally we think and they just took the eyeball and just like snip snipped and we're gonna like sew up your eyes I, I i don't fucking know but how the fuck did he survive that jesus yeah not great that's one of the things that i've always found interesting in depictions of like the 13th 12th century whatever it is there's either people that are 140 or people dying at 20. Like, there's no... <laughs> like, how are you making it that long without, yeah. I don't know, yeah. aspirin, but whatever. Uh, so they get in, and very quickly into Sherwood Forest, Robin's like, oh, shit, wind chimes. There's your ghosts. Yep. Cool. I, I, like, that they, I like that they don't spend time trying to figure out the ghost thing. Yeah. We get to this beautiful river. And we meet little John. And that is an awesome fucking meet cute for my boys. Mm -hmm. Because I'm a big fan of the Robin Hood little John dynamic. In every single Robin Hood, it exists. But I like the way that they weren't friends at the beginning of this. They're, they earn mutual respect. Yes, it does feel very well earned. I agree with you. And, and I love that they have this fight in the river. Which, this was not like Hollywood cold. This shit was filmed in England, in France. Uh, between September and January, shit was cold. No shit. I know that the uh, you know the the punches and the staff connections are Hollywood magic, but you know your hands got hit at some point. I can't even imagine how much that hurt. Oh god, yeah, like that when on Casey's face when he gets hit in the very beginning in the hand, that looks real. That looks that real. Pain that looks real. real. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, it's because he's a perfect actor. And so yes. he's able to yes. transfer his emotionality onto you so that you can feel the exact same physical pain, even though you haven't had to go through it. Okay, that's that's his process. That's good. All right. That's a good process. And so they go through this fight. And I love how Rob's like, I don't really know what this is. Picks it up quick. He's a quick study. <laughs> yes, he is. But again, there's humor throughout this whole fight. We see Christian Slater over there. And I love that they kept him. It really wasn't a stunt casting. I think it feels stunt casting now. But it really wasn't then. I mean, he had done Heathers and uh, Pump Up the Volume. That was kind of it. You know, his his run really hadn't kind of went after this. Yeah, this is pre-cuffs. This is obviously pre-cuffs. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, we got him singing his little song, which is great. Let's just hear a little bit of that ditty. There was a rich man from Nottingham who tried to cross the river. What a dope. He tripped on a rope. Now look at him shiver. Beg for mercy, rich man. Oh, Slater's dialing it up. Mm-hmm. Slater's dialing it yep. up in this movie. Yeah, he's moved on from Gleaming the Cube. He's like, I'm going to be Jack Nicholson. <laughs> and I'm starting right now. Right now. <laughs> My big question in this fight scene, which, by the way, love this scene, love the tone. Yeah, it's Want really more good. more of that, more of all of them, um, is when Robin gets knocked into the water the second time and then kind of falls down the little waterfall, whatever you want to call it, and then Lil John, maybe 15 seconds later, goes over to the rock. That's a strong current carrying away from where Robin was. And all of a sudden, he pops up with the staff. I, there's no way. There's no way he swam over there. So that You've seen sense. Waterworld? He has yeah, webbed this, feet. Yeah, okay. I mean, fine. Fine. I'm just saying, like, again, easily fixable, guys. Do you not catch this in continuity checks? Do you not catch this anywhere? Like, come on. I think it's funny you think there were continuity checks. <laughs> That's a good point. They, they definitely <laughs> were not. Oh, print it. Let's move on. Well, see, you thought this shit was $80 million. They had a $48 million shoestring budget, man. They don't have time for that. It's true. It's true. But I dig that they go through this fight, but there's no dirty tricks. Like, there's a part where, like, Rob gets uh, Little John on the ground he doesn't then like try to choke him out with the staff, which is what you would see in the movie today. Yeah. He lets him get back up. He's not interested in like killing the guy. He's not interested in any of that. It's all a, like there's a fairness to the fight. What you would see in the movie today is Robin in this freezing cold water, obviously going to be shirtless. Oh, you would have had to have been shredded to be Robin Hood. I mean, Taron Edgerton Robin Hood. And all we would have heard in the press junket is... Yeah, I trained with that staff about like six hours a day for about three months. Yep. I wanted to look authentic for that 20 seconds of screen time. And, you know, this master staff trainer that I have, <laughs> he he said that had I had I trained a little more, like I could have made it in the staff game. And this 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 master staff trainer and Grubhub driver was uh, <laughs> able to able to train me on the ancient ways. I we've talked about it a bunch and I. A, 100% agree with you, and B, that shit pisses me off so much because this sequence, like, I know you're not, you don't dig this film, but that sequence can go in, and that's a very well done sequence. Very well done. It's it's perfect in tone, it's perfect in camera movements, and that's where Reynolds is comfortable, is give me a large landscape, give me a big action sequence, and that's why when we get to, and we're going to talk about these arrow shots because they're fucking great. They're very good. That's expertise in filmmaking. It's just... This is why you don't have uh, Kevin Reynolds getting his hands on a Nolan Ballmack script and saying, <laughs> "Let me uh, 
let me let me see what I can do with this. That's what Mary's story the, needed more of. Yeah, was he wasn't scenes. like give me that give me that August Osage County script. I think I can really make something out of this. <laughs> he meets the Merry Men. I mean, they never call them the Merry Men. I'm just calling them for reference. Um, but I, they're they're all characters, and and I mean that as like funny characters. You know, they either can't count. They have big Cockney accents. They've got you know weird looks. They're dirty. They're scrubby. But we have this dinner sequence, which a dinner sequence to me is a lot like a wedding sequence, as we've talked about before, class reunions, where it's a really uh, realistic opportunity for everybody to kind of get to meet each other. Yeah. That doesn't feel contrived where you're going like port to port to port. Little John sitting up in a tree, drinking his wine, just kind of telling the story. And that sets the scene. And this is where we finally get what the fuck we're going to be doing in this movie. Mm-hmm. We still didn't really know yet because we're thinking, oh, it's to avenge his father. But now he's got this new... You know, this new fight, what the fuck is this going to be? We finally get, oh shit, everyone's been thrown out of Nottingham. If you can't pay your taxes, you're hiding out here. Everybody's got prices on their heads, all this shit. This is all we can do. And you start to see the wheels start to spin a little bit. There's some injustice here that needs to be cured. And then he goes to the church and basically starts a war. Because this is the first time that we see him with the sheriff at Nottingham. Obviously, he's going there. He talks to Maid Marion because he's like, it's Sunday. Okay, I know everyone's going to be at church. I'll go there. He talks to Marion. We get that joke that's been in a million movies. Oh, really? A hundred pieces of gold is all that it is. That's the only bounty. I'm blah, 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 blah. Fine. Funny, funny, funny. And the thing that gets me here is Rickman's performance is so good. And I love yes. the iconic line. Loxley! I'm going to cut your heart out with us. Boom! Then it begins. I just love that fucking line. I hope that was an ad lib by Rickman. It was beautiful. It's it's great. It's what I think of when I think of this movie. <laughs> Anything funny that Rickman says, I attribute to being ad lib. Um, I, <laughs> I probably I have confirmation. I have internet confirmation on a few different ad libs. One's the fuck me, he cleared it, but Christian Slater. One's the call off Christmas. One's the, you know, we'll, we'll hear later about bring your friend to my room or whatever. But one thing that we skipped really quickly, and this is my fault because we, you know, there's there's a lot going on. Like, there's a lot happening yeah, no in this shit. movie. We met Mortiana actually before we meet Marion. Yes. Um, and yes. so we haven't really brought her up. We brought her up in passing, and I'm not really going to spend a lot of time on Mortiana because um, it's, it's an unnecessary part of the movie. But Mortiana is this witch living in a dungeon rats and upside down crosses and she's sort of a mentor to the sheriff of nottingham from a religious standpoint and it's clear that the the sheriff worships the devil essentially is is what they're trying to to prove or trying to show you and so he worships the devil and that's why when you get to the church scene in a you know a little or that we just talked about he's looking so bored and all that stuff it's like this is just bullshit. Well, he knows the future because all you need is a bloody egg and some mahjong tiles and that'll show you what yeah, the fuck the future exactly. is. Yeah, exactly. You get you get some a hey, and in a pinch some Werther's original will work. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Here's the interesting part and I don't know if they they filmed all of this and they just didn't want to get rid of it because in the director's cut Mortiana has holes in the castle that she looks in on everything and that's how she tells the future oh totally did not cover that in the movie no no it's not anywhere in the movie so when you watch the director's cut the scene where uh the sheriff is in the bedroom with like the chambermaid that is i'm sure a peasant that he's just getting ready to rape he's like this 
you know, he's a whelp, this girl can best her or whatever. Yes. That, in the director's cut, that is in the background and you are against the wall looking through an eye hole from Mortiana hearing that sort of in the distance. Interesting. And then, so she hears all the information that Robin of Loxley is back. She rings a little bell that's connected to the castle. And that's why when he shows up to her lair, he goes, you rang? I got Which doesn't it. make any sense in the theatrical version. Exactly. Yep. So when he shows up, she does her little blood egg and fucking hard candies and is able to say, Robin of Loxley is here and uh, you know the prodigal son has returned, all, all that stuff. That's how she knows the future. So she's a fraud. She's completely a fraud. But on the upside, there's a lot more scenes with him and Mortiana and him questioning about like, are you sure your my parents told you to raise me up with all this shit, this occult shit? Mortiana is the sheriff's mom. Really? In the director's cut. See, this yes. is what I honestly needed and I was going to get to this. I need more background on the sheriff of Nottingham, how he came to power, what his motivations are other than just power. What, what what he kind of comes from. I needed that because it's the character, as great as Rickman is, is not rounded out. I can't tell you that the filmmaking is better in the director's cut. But the first time that I watched the director's cut, I was like, oh, a lot more of this shit makes sense. Yeah, it would. Like a it lot, would. A lot, like, all of his connections with the barons that he's trying to put together all of King Richard's enemies. Yeah. There's a, there's a scenes with him meeting with them and how he's going to section off England and uh, you're going to get this and you're going to get this and you're going to get that. That was so helpful because at the end when they're there, I'm like, why are they, why why are they there? Because Robin intercepted everything for the whole plan. So what's going on? And you're like, you're like, why do they keep going? Yeah. Like, why do they keep? (laughs) Yes, that's why. And so there's a lot of connective tissue that, actually exists between the director's cut and the theatrical cut that clears up what I think are a few vagaries uh, in the story. I mean, if I were if I were to make this, this story sounds to me like it needs to start with the Sheriff of Nottingham. It needs to start with his plot. It needs to start with all that stuff. And then you bring in Robin because here's your hero who's going to disrupt this. Because he fucks up and and kills Robin's dad because he won't go along with the plan that's been established over the first, let's say, 10 minutes. And then we see Robin escape. Maybe Robin gets word of it from where he is somehow, whatever the case may be. Then he comes back. Now we know Robin's motivation and we know what's going on in the area because we're dumped into there and we kind of hear it piecemeal where, oh, well, he's doing this. There's taxes. Yeah. And and Richard and Lionheart and all that. That would have made a lot more sense had they kind of recut it that way. The director's cut, when I watch it all the way through, I'm like, that's a complete story. Mm -hmm. That that really puts together some of the holes that I just sort of fill in. A, because I've seen every Robin Hood ever. B, it's not that necessary, but you just start going like, I'm not seeing any of the sheriff's plan. Like, it just doesn't quite connect to me. That being said, I hear what you're saying. But this movie should not be changed because it's perfect. Okay. And yeah. what you described yeah. was asking for a little less Kevin Costner. And that's <laughs> something that I'll never sign on for. So anyway, sorry we missed Mortiana's lair. Like I said, it's it's more interesting in the director's cut. In the theatrical cut, I think we could get rid of her character altogether. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. So they have uh, the fight at the church. Uh, Casey slices his face, which that's a that's a badass move. Badass like, fucking at- move. To fucking slice his face, cut the rope, fly up to the crow's nest, and be like, it begins. Yep. <laughs> like, whoa. No shit. Somebody's hanging 14 because this shit is <laughs> on. 
And so he rides through, he steals the sheriff's horse, he grabs, he starts stripping clothes, he grabs a bag of bread, beats up a knife and flies out. Uh, and then he goes back to camp and, you know, he's like, hey guys, I've decided unilaterally to <laughs> enlist you all in my war of vengeance. That I just started. <laughs> and uh, by the way, uh, Dunk, uh, here's some bread. Not on this, you blind bastard. I just, I just love that every time. Like, what is he supposed to do with that? Like, just... And it's it's also an enormous thing of bread. Enormous. That could have fed, like, ten kids. I was like, scoop that out, put some chili in there. That's a delicious bread bowl. That'd be very good. Now I'm, now I'm hungry. Oh, now I'm hungry. I know. It'd be wonderful. Yeah. Little, uh, Panera's not that far. Gotta go to Steak and Shake. Oh, yeah. Get that chili five-way. By the way, shout go. out Panera, shout out Steak and Shake. You guys uh, want to buy some time on the pod? <laughs> Hit us up, Cigarette Burns Podcast at Yahoo.com. What's the Panera slogan? Eat fresh? Or that's Subway? That One feels like Subway. We'll take yeah. Subway money. Throw too. it in a third. Okay. <laughs> We're just giving out free spots all over the place. That's today. it. That's it. So, all right. After the It Begins uh, sequence, then we start seeing that the sheriff sends out his men to start raiding the village to look for Robin Hood. We see. Fanny, who is Little John's yep. wife, and I, I love—I I actually do love some of the language. I know uh, you, in particular, have dogged on a perfect script, but I do think that there are some pretty good <laughs> moments where you know they're like, "Where is the man they call Little?" I, I think that that is because they never really come out and say, "Your name is Little John." I kind of enjoy yeah. that, where they're like, "My name is John Little," or "Should I call you Little John?" You know, it's it's just that or. You know, hey, John, are you scared? Eh, maybe a little. Like, I like that they kind of kept playing with that wordplay a little bit. Not to the point where it was egregious or dad jokey. Yeah, and Robin's the only one that calls him Little John, like, when they're fighting, right? So it, it, it works. It totally works. Right. And it never happens yeah. again. There, There is not yeah, like, this is exactly. Little John. It's always, that's John. So after the men raid the village looking for Robin, the displaced refugees then flee to Sherwood Forest mm-hmm. looking for Robin, and they are pissed yeah, they're not happy. They're not happy. Ah, uh, I, I think they were unhappy because they don't know what he looks like. They didn't realize he's the best looking person on earth. So they really do give sort of a little glow up situation to Rob when he comes. To, like he's been dirty the whole time. But when the refugees are showing up, he's like, you know, got some dry clean clothes. Yeah. Pants are a little tighter. All of a sudden I have a bow and arrow that I haven't been seen with in the entire movie. Exactly. I'm just like oiling that up, you know? Yep. Yep. Sitting on this gigantic tree, mm-hmm. looking like a fucking Greek god. Sorry, are we still recording? <laughs> For me, we're like about an hour in now when we get this like montage of stealing and stuff like that. And this is for me where, okay, we've established everything. Now let's build towards a climax. And this is where the movie says, slow the fuck down. We're halfway through. We're halfway through, yeah. And so before we even get to the, the montage... I do want to say that I, I love the speech. I love the speech in this movie. I love where he comes up, like Will Scarlet's like, we should turn him in. Let's turn his ass in. He's worth 500 gold pieces. And Rob's like, all right, dipshit. What do you think is going to happen? You turn me in and they're going to be like, here's your money. No, he's going to kill you. Like, let's use our head a little bit. This is exactly what I have in my notes. I'm so happy you said that. This is exactly the line that I have is Robin rallying the troops This is where Casey shines because the man can give a speech. You wish to end this? You wish to go home? Then we must stop fighting amongst ourselves and face that the price for it may be dear. I, for one, would rather die 
and to spend my life in hiding. The sheriff calls us outlaws. But I say we are free. And one free man defending his home is more powerful than 10 hired soldiers. Crusades taught me that. I will make you no promises save one. That if you truly believe in your hearts that you are free, then I say we can win. They got armor. They got armor, Paul. Even this boy can be taught to find the chinks in every suit of armor. But we ain't got nothing to eat. What do we need that the forest cannot provide? We have food, wood for weapons. We'll find safety and solace in our trees. Yeah, but what about our kin? Shutters taking all they got, too. And by God, we take it back. I'll fight. Yeah, right now. And I love that, like, that's the reaction of the crowd, because you're like, Yes, sir. I'm, that that sounds perfect. I, I love it. And then we cut to a really good montage. Making a couple arrows, then making a bunch of arrows. They can't shoot, now they can shoot. Mm-hmm. They can't sword fight. Azim's teaching them how to sword fight. We're building just like the coolest looking community on earth, by the way. I want to live there. Oh, I would totally. Live there. Looks like a lot of fun, yep. Like when yeah. Marion and Sarah finally get there, I'm like, this looks like the nicest place I've ever seen in my life. It's great. It's very nice. But yeah, then they start to get into the ambushing robbery phase to fund and start stealing from the barons. Like the first the first carriage they get is one of the barons, yep. you know, and steal him. And then, you know, the, the princess obviously wants Casey because she has, you know, a brain and eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I love the sequence. I I all the clever ways in which they're making Sherwood Forest seem really dangerous. Well, I shouldn't say seem. They are robbing these people. Um, they are. This goes on for five months because he steals millions over five months. Yeah, yeah. He he's doing fine. I'm just saying, like five months. <laughs> <laughs> it goes on for a bit, bud. Yeah, yeah. It goes on. Yeah. Where do they get but, all the swords uh, from? Are those the swords that they've stolen from the people that they've? Taking shit from? Because I don't see a lot of blacksmithing going on other than arrowheads. No, in the montage, they were making swords. Were they actually making swords? Okay. I know that Nottingham's guys were making swords. Yeah, which is another great scene. But yep. they, uh, I shouldn't say this. They were stacking swords. They were stacking so swords. I'm, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt for having made those swords. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, think, I think the Merry Men have their shit together. I think they kind of have one in every... They're like, our accountant is over here, we have our blacksmith here, we have our woodsmith here. I'm just saying that to make the actual swords in the Nottingham scene, that's an elaborate process, and they are basically barely able to get water and a windmill kind of system going. Yeah. Are you happy? Do you feel proud after picking that apart? I'm just wondering. Just wondering. You know? (laughs) Sometimes it makes me so mad that I'm like, you at 1030? You at 1045 and bring a friend. <laughs> Holy shit. That's it then. Cancel the kitchen scraps for lepers and orphans. No more merciful beheadings. And call off Christmas. You, Myram, 1030 tonight. You, 1045. Bring a friend. I'm going to credit those with ad-libbed. Mm-hmm. Yep. I also think it's a great addition to the movie that i think a lot of people wouldn't have put in to have somebody have scratched the stitches into the statue (laughs) yeah that was great that was very good (laughs) 
that's funny. My point is, my point is again about the five months, and I'm I'm, I'm going to stop harping on these little things. I apologize if they're no nitpicks. harp away, man. This is for us. Five months. Do you think that wound would have healed a little better? I mean, it's not like he's got Neosporin. I guess. I guess that's true. I just don't know. I just, from a medical standpoint, like, it looks like he still has, like, stitches in there. Would they have come out by then? I guess what I what I think of as medicine in 1194 is, like, leeches <laughs> and setting a blade on fire to cauterize the wound. So yeah. I, I imagine it's still... Yeah, that's true. Because when they actually gave him the stitches, they hadn't even figured out that they should probably clean the wound first. No, that was just bleeding like crazy. A lot of blood. Yeah, yeah, during that scene. It was like, maybe just dab a quick little napkin. Yep. I don't know. Yeah. But Scribe also seems to be a jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none situation. <laughs> Very true. He's like, you know, in charge of the accounting of uh, Nottingham. <laughs> he has to schedule the hookers and the slaves. <laughs> he has to do the medicine. <laughs> There's a lot of shit going on. Yeah, it's a lot of stuff to juggle there. So, well, they don't have all that tax money coming in, so there have been some layoffs. It's a real devil wears Prada situation that we've got going <laughs> here. So, that's uh, that would be awesome if the writer of Devil Wears Prada was like, so here's the thing. <laughs> Sitting around, and I'm thinking, what's a great story? And I want to update one of my favorite movies. And have you ever wondered... The scribe in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. <laughs> His life when he goes home. <laughs> what must bet his girlfriend a, think? I'll bet he's dating an asshole Adrian Grenier. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. An asshole the chef script. who's working on, like, raccoon reductions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Devil Wears Prada is the sequel to Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Oh, I like that movie so much more now. So with all of these robberies and ambushes going on, then Guy is given, you know, some nights. I don't know why Friar Tuck's there, but I like it. <laughs> I do too. I do too. Um, he's got a bunch of money. He's like, you got to buy a couple things. Like, honestly, this is why megalomaniacs are terrible at strategy is we're going through Sherwood Forest. We're getting robbed. We're going through Sherwood Forest. We're getting robbed. We're going through Sherwood Forest, getting robbed. Go a different way. Yeah. It's the only way to get to England, they said. But I agree. It seems like the forest should be big enough. They can't cover all that fucking ground. No, I I just... It really seems like there should be an alternative route. It also feels like there is a lack of paved roads. Ergo, cut a road. (laughs) Anyway... So, guys going through, we meet Michael McShane. For those of you uh, who only know him from this movie, that's whose line is it anyway fame, Michael McShane. Right. Right. Who's very funny, by the way. Like, he was very funny in that show. Wasn't he in <laughs> the office space? Wasn't he the uh, the guy, the therapist that died? The hypnotherapist? Yes. Yeah, that's where I remember him from. Yeah, he's he had a lot of bit parts kind of in the late 80s, early 90s, and then sort of just trailed off for whatever reason. Really funny. Excellent character actor. Steals every scene that he's in. He's there singing and drunk and everything, which is plays right along with the Robin Hood legend of Friar Tuck. Yep. yep. And all of a sudden, they decide, hey, we're going to get a couple of guys out here as bait. A guy and a couple guys go after that. We have the ambush of ambushes, and they show, wow, they've really got an elaborate system set up. This is fantastic. They do great. They steal all the money. Guy comes back. Everything's gone. Guy has to, you know, go back to Nottingham. So then they get I do the want to point out one thing. Sorry to interrupt you. Fire away. They do have an elaborate system. 
planned out where they do some, I don't know, Vietnam style stuff where they are hiding under this, the, the fake, you know, shrubbery and stuff. Real lucky they don't get trampled by horses. Yes, a couple feet to the right or left, and that's a that's a dead giveaway. Just want to point that out, that they're real lucky yep. they got it down to a science. Yeah, that's, hey, they know what they're doing. They're professionals, yeah. okay? Not their first time. They meet Friar Tuck, and so they, they kind of have a little fun with Friar Tuck. And I love that he, like, thinks he's going to get out of this, so he kicks Robin in the face. <laughs> he, he then, like, gets caught again, and he's like, okay, okay. I yield. And then he's like, but no, I don't. I'm going to try to eat your leg. <laughs> yes. So weird tactic. Yep. And then they put the horse collar on him, take him, uh, take him back to the camp and, and Rob tries to recruit him. And I just love the way that this little conversation goes because it goes well. And, and Friar Tuck has some humility, but then he still has got a little clap back. I accept. Good. You'll not regret it. I'm a Yumei! I'm not going to lie, I've said that before in my life. There's a lot of lines I say from this movie. That's very that true. People, I, can, in my life. I can attest to that. <laughs> so, uh, then we cut to the armory, which I think as far as intimate settings are concerned, this is a very jarring scene because this is where the camera keeps coming in. Oh, God, yeah. Were they going through it for a 3D thing? I mean, was this marketed as... Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves in 3D. Because it reminds me a little bit, I remember, I think it was, oh, it's, it's got to be one of the uh, Friday the 13th, I think, in 3D. And when you watch it regular, you can see where they're like, here's a pole. And here's the pole that goes right into the camera. Like, you can tell that you're doing movements that were reminding me of this. And so that's why I brought that up. <laughs> but I, I do want to shout out the sound editing in this scene because there are some perfectly timed sounds where like they turn a sword and you get this like sound. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's really well done. Like I, I, I don't want to shit on all the below the line guys. And the sound of the sword going into uh, Guy of Gisborne, that is an intense sound. Like that yes, is... Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So, but in short, Guy fails... And Rickman, again, takes his, like, makes a meal out of the scene. I love when he's swinging the sword a little bit before. He's oh, doing I know, yeah. little thing. <laughs> Great. And uh, when he pulls it out, and he just looks at everybody's like, this is good steal. And then just drops it and walks out. Just owning every scene that he's in. Yeah. And, and yeah. again, I think they literally told him, please, God, be in this movie. Whatever you want. I don't care. Yep. I don't care. Yep. And there is a, a rumor out there. Uh, that Casey was pissed off because Rickman was like stealing the movie. And so Casey made sure a lot more of his scenes were edited out. It's hard for me to believe that his scenes were edited out because he's in a lot of the movie and I'm not really sure how much more Sheriff we need that would not be story time Sheriff, like advancing the story. Yeah. I think he's got like his scene stealing. Uh, I think there's plenty of those. I think there's a lot of them. And, and yeah, I don't know how much more of that really should have been in the final cut but uh again really poorly filmed scene but i love it like it it's just there's funny shit that happens and i guy's dead which r.i.p michael wincott in this movie but i dig michael wincott uh Kevin i love Reynolds him in the doors favorite. great in the doors he's fantastic in the count of monte cristo he's great in the three musketeers the disney one like he's just good and uh, in the commentary kevin reynolds is like it's really sad for him because 
nobody understands because of what his voice is like and the parts that he gets that he's like the funniest fucker on earth. He's a super funny really? guy. Really? I'm like, now I want to see Michael Wincott in like a very scary romantic comedy. Yeah, that's true. So That would be scary. Uh, after that, we get Marion and Sarah going to the forest. This is a lot of time that's taken up, not accomplishing a ton. I think it's at this point that I need to just let you have the moment because okay. this is the scene where Marion sees Rob, played by uh-huh. Casey, bathing in the nude. Yeah, good scene, good scene. Uh, so, first of all, she tells him to take a bath. And uh, when she gets there, he's swimming, naked and glorious, in this gigantic pond. Clear water, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, He's just, I mean, that's just, that's, that's, that's a lot of man. I mean, I don't want to necessarily get bogged down in it, but, uh, the stories out there are that KC was like, we should probably have some full frontal nudity in this scene. (laughs) And there's a story or two out there that there's multiple movies that he's tried to like, yeah, no, for realism purposes, you, you can show it like, it's all good, you know, good for him. It's. I think the movie is less for it that we didn't go for realism. I think that in 1194, I'm assuming that there was uh, a little less that he would have cared about showing, but it is what it is. We got, you get rear, but personally, I just think it's a beautiful scene. I think it's a gorgeous scene. Um, Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio appears uh, to have Marion into into it, um, which I get. And then uh, she's in love, like they're in love. That's all it takes. And I get that. A lot of chemistry between those two actors, do you think? I do, actually. Hmm. Um, They didn't write in the chemistry, but I have seen the interviews, like the press junket interviews. I do. I think that there's there's plenty of chemistry there. They saved that for the press junkets? Well, the writing. Certainly they did. (laughs) Certainly they did. But so we can actually, you know, it's, it's up to you. To me, we can sort of fly through this night party. There's really... It takes up a lot of time. Yes, it fucking does. I don't need to see this fucking kid born at all. I don't need any of this no. shit. No, it, it it basically just shows Friar Tuck still a racist prick and then apologizes to Azeem and says he's got a lot to learn. Fanny and LJ have a kid. The only thing it does and- is Robin talks about his dad and how he had to choose between the peasant woman and himself after the mom died. And that sets right. up something later on that has been telegraphed from the very beginning. Yeah. With well, Christian Slater. We got, yeah. And we got Christian Slater trying to have Marion dance with him. Yeah. Nice try cuffs. <laughs> Rob comes in. It's like, nah, sorry, dog. It's not going to happen. Yeah. And they dance. And that's that's kind of it. They get up in the morning and, they're, you know, Rob's like, hey, can you take Duncan home with you? Yep. You know, I, I fear for him here. And they take him home. They kiss. This is where we get that beautiful orchestral arrangement of everything I do. And I get pumped. I get very excited. I'm getting excited now yep. uh, about it. I, I, there's good lines in it. Like, there's good scenes. It's just it chews up a lot of time. Like, with the kid asking Azim, did God paint you? Right. It's a very adorable scene. It's just superfluous. So then we go to Mortiana's lair, and she's basically like, your plan's going to shit. Uh, so now I need real human blood and just some spit. That- <laughs> yeah. Which the spit sounds like it's like frying on there all of a sudden. Yeah, it goes the on the skillet. Didn't. You got to put that on the skillet. That's medium high heat. <laughs> yep, yep. Okay. Canola oil. And then she's like, go get the Celts to <laughs> attack Sherwood Forest, hire thugs, and we'll, we'll do this war. So, cool. 
Marion is writing something to Robin. I'm not real sure what it is. Yeah. They don't. I don't know either. They don't really let you know what it is because there's nothing to tell me that Marion knows what the plans are. But she's writing a letter to Rob once Sarah to deliver it. So I know what you think the letter is. <laughs> you think, think the letter is. So I didn't tell you this, but when I saw you bathing, I saw it. And yeah. Yeah. I need it. So <laughs> we will have to make this happen because it's been some time. <laughs> That is in my rewrite of the rated R version of this film. Yeah. There is there is yeah. more uh, Robin Hood, Marion connection. So the bishop, who's a dirty bishop, uh, is like, no, I'll send my guy with her. The guy beats Sarah over the head, steals the letter. Bad shit's going to happen. We go to Marion's chambers. Her cat's name is Nicodemus. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. That seemed yeah. unnecessary. Yeah. Uh, I've never looked up Nicodemus. I'm assuming some sort of scientist or intellectual from somebody help us out. Anybody at us <laughs> or uh, email us on the Nicodemus research. I know a quick Google will do it, but I'm unwilling because I've always been mad about the cat's name. But basically the sheriff has sent knights there. Boom. We're going to assault you, kill you, whatever. Um, and then Duncan sneaks away. Somehow. He good at that. They can't catch the blind guy, but then like he gets on the horse and the horse takes him directly to camp. <laughs> yep. The horse knows. But you see the two shadows of the guys that follow him. Yeah. Like, was was that the plan? Was, was the plan <laughs> literally the sheriff's like, here's what's gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> she brought back Duncan. He's a blind guy. Yeah. But if we assault Marion and we get her. The blind guy is going to steal a horse and ride to camp. Follow the blind guy. Yep. Bold plan, Cotton. That's uh, how I understood the plan. And honestly, that premise I granted for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> that would... Well, I mean... Th- there's a couple that you need to grant. But Dunk makes it. There's no chance he makes it. But he makes it. He makes it. We get there. We got warning arrows and the Celts attack. And now we get, like... I would say, like, this is baby Braveheart, right? This is a Braveheart dry run. Absolutely. It's a very fun battle scene. It's it's enjoyable. I, I like it. It's really well done. You it you is. know where every character is during the scene. It's got that Spielberg-esque, and I say that as nice as I can because, I mean, obviously Steven's the man. But it has that rare thing, like that Michael Bay quality where... Even when a lot of shit's going on, you know where all the characters are and you have a frame of reference. And it's really good at doing that. Right. Well, and I think that that was really smart about them going to the camp a couple of times to give you the geography of the camp. Yeah. So that you had that sort of North Star understanding of where shit was at. I I totally agree with you. I think that's a great point. And this was really well uh, filmed. This is, again, this is the pocket for Kevin Reynolds. Yes fire in and the trees and the tree houses it's a beautiful set piece we do have some real oscar worthy deaths from the celts Mm -hmm. a lot of extras going for it yeah uh in the death scene and uh frankly i dig it i'm fine with it i think it's i think the movie's better for it we see little john is a badass man loves his wife loves his family trying to save him um rob's dumping the money i did like seeing that because you don't see a ton of you do get one scene. You get one scene like of Robin, giving to the poor. Yeah. Yeah, where he's giving out stuff. But you don't see a lot of the robbing the rich to feed the poor thing. You get the one scene. But I do like that he was dumping the money because it was, I'm dumping the money 
So good luck finding all of it. Yeah. If you kill all of us to then give to the barons, like good luck doing that. But it's a long, it's a long uh, battle sequence. They get Wolf, they get Will. Robin might die. That is a fall he should not have survived. No, no. It, it's a beautifully filmed. Like, yes, very the much way, so. The, the smoke and the and the fire and everything, just fantastic. I love that sequence. I get pumped every time I see that sequence. Yeah. It's really, really, really good. We did skip over one quick thing I did want to talk about, which was we had we finally had our archery contest. This was back when Marion and Sarah were yeah, visiting. Yeah. Uh, and the archery contest in Robin Hood lore is always he splits an arrow in half, which we had that scene at the end of the first montage, Correct. which was brilliant, following that arrow and it splits the arrow. That's great. fantastic. So great. we get that he's an incredible archer, but then we have him versus Wolf in an archery contest, and Robin never loses archery contests in, in Robin Hood movies, but in this one he does, and I really like that that's what they did. Like I thought that that was cool. We sh- It showed that Wolf can fucking shoot or yeah. loose an arrow. Which we need to have later on. Were, Yes, which we needed to establish that. Much like they established Marion at the beginning but didn't bring it back, he knows what he's doing with a bow and arrow and how Marion messes up Robin. And it's just funny that he loses it. It's a good piece of humor and it's well played. And there's a great line from one of the uh, side characters in the back where when he takes off his like overcoat or whatever, like, oh. Is this shirt coming off or not? Are we going to do that? Is it gonna... <laughs> it's just really funny stuff. But we did get that element of the Robin Hood legend, which I really, really liked. Yeah. So when we get back to the church, now now we are getting into Act Three. Yeah, it's been eight hours. About time to start that. I don't need this from you. I don't <laughs> think that that's. I don't think that's necessary. So look into my. Eye. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so the the sheriff is now done slow playing his courtship of Marion. <laughs> yes, he is. Yeah, he's like, this is happening. Yep, we're done now. Uh, I'm gonna marry him, and my wedding gift is murder. <laughs> And, um, you know, sometimes people don't even get anything. Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. But she uh, she tries to, you know, the bishop tries to sell her on the wedding with the sheriff. Yes. And she's like, no, there's only one man who can save the people here, and that's Robin. And the sheriff then gives her gives her his necklace her father his father's necklace is like nah he's dead he gone yeah that's it no more um and then there's really like a well you don't marry me i'm definitely killing everybody yeah that's that's on you um that is not i just want to be very clear a way that i would propose to whoever you wish to be married to out there i didn't go that route and everything's working out for me so well you got lucky then yeah yeah no need no need to dangle murder to guilt somebody into marrying you <laughs> so then we have to head back to sherwood and they're looking through the debris and it's a very short scene but we see robin stumbling through the background and that is a great shot wonderful shot great shot with all the yeah. shadow there from the smoke or the fog or whatever and just the lighting and it's christian you know it's yeah. great it's well done yeah and that's the weird part about when you see a director that took as many shortcuts or missteps with the camera i think as you can see in a movie like this but then say, God, there's like 10 or 12 amazing shots in this film that are just perfectly lit. Angle of the camera's great. It's weird to see that kind of execution juxtaposed with, really? That's like a student film sort of yeah, yeah, low budget issue. So then we head to the dungeon, and the dungeon's a funny scene. Yes, I don't give is. a shit who you are. That's yeah. Christian Slater and Alan Rickman going back and forth. Like, I kind of wanted to see that buddy movie. I'm totally with you there. 100%. I would have watched a lethal weapon where it was like old grizzled cop 
Rickman, young, young punk, uh, Christian Slater. Totally. That's a great call. They had really good chemistry. And when they, when they both shout, shut up at Wolf, it's great. And then we kind of, this, the movie really from here starts ticking off really quickly. A lot of shorter scenes, but like we're wrapping it up. I could see Jed, Jed's face is just like drooping. He's like, as we should be wrapping it up, Cole. (laughs) No, what what I'm getting at is it wraps it up as quickly as this film can, given how long it needs scenes to be for some reason. So yes, I agree with you, but it's all relative to the rest of this movie. I'm going to give you the director's cut. You better fucking watch it. I, you know, I will, you know, I will. One so day. we see the, we see the preps for the hanging, getting the gallows ready. Yeah. Looks strong, I love that they're going to hang the kid, by the way. Hang them all. Yeah. And <laughs> of all the people that get hung, that kid's drop would have killed him. No shit. That would have broken his neck in a second. I also love, like, there's a special place in hell for people who hang children. Uh, There's an even more special place in hell for people who are like, I have 10 people I'm going to hang. Let's start with the kid. Yeah, let's start with the child first. They're doing the preps for the hanging. Will negotiates with uh, the sheriff to be like, hey, let me go back to camp. I'll either kill him or be able to tell you if he's dead or if he finds me, he'll kill me. Like either way, like I'm out of your hair. Yeah. So they do that. Then while we see Dawn come, they're like putting together all the graves. Dunk has died, which is very sad, Mm -hmm. but we don't hang on it. I think he choked on some bread actually is what happened. (laughs) (laughs) Oh shit. Oh, line of the pod. That's fantastic. (laughs) Uh, so, so they're making the plan, but we see uh, we see Will walk up, and this is where this is Christian Slater's you know to be considered or you know for your consideration moment, <laughs> where he comes up. Little John's like, "I'm gonna murder yo ass, like yeah. right now. I'm killing you." And then they pull up his shirt because before you kill somebody, you got to pull up their shirt. Obviously, let's murder 101. He's been lashed, and they're like, "Oh man." can't kill you now it looks like you're already in some pain i'm not real sure why that stopped him i, I don't, really don't know either know. i don't know why that proves anything and so he's like look you know here's why i'm here and robin's like yeah you're here to kill me he's like well it depends on you and i've never trusted you and finally robin's like dude what is your fucking deal yeah exactly. sick of your shit now this is the problem you were talking about earlier with it being a six-year thing like maybe he actually never knew will scarlet existed yeah. he might have known the woman existed maybe he never knew right but if he did, Will was like 17 at the time they left. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. He's going to remember that greasy fucking mop top. All right. No That's kidding. Gonna... <laughs> the hair looking strong from yep. Slater throughout the whole film. And the teeth. Yeah. The teeth. They're very, very much selling the bad dental hygiene. Yeah. But this is where he kind of slips into some, some British accent, some not. Uh, but it's a good scene. Like, it's a good fucking scene. Yeah, it's a good scene. It's a good scene. He's He's... I have I'm a brother. brother. I have a brother. <laughs> I have a brother. <laughs> that is not what he says, you piece of shit. Okay? That's not what he says. See, this is why my microphone fucks up every episode. You get me so mad that I lean in and my plosives explode. Um, so, so anyway, <laughs> you fucking asshole. So they're putting together the plan. They, I like that they decided to mock up a quick model. They're like, look. Before I explain the plan, <laughs> can we get some pieces of wood that are to scale? <laughs> to scale, yep. Of Nottingham Castle. Very Back to the Future-like. And then they're like, yeah, uh, Fanny, uh, you're not going to help. And she's like, I've given birth to eight babies. <laughs> no Don't talk kidding. to me about pain. 
Yeah. And I'm like, LJ, don't miss. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. No uh, kidding. So everybody's got their plan. They're going to go in. They're going to stop the hang-ins and whatever. And to the castle. Oh, we forgot. Uh, obviously, they make fun of Robin's archery skills. Will Scarlet, he put an arrow through your fucking hand. Yes, he did. I don't think you should be talking shit. Yeah, he did. And Azim invents gunpowder, so everything's going well. It's all great. It's all black magic. So once we get to the castle, which is this is the whole ramp up, we're not going anywhere else. We're just going to be at the castle for the rest of this. There is so much humor in the last fucking 15 minutes of this movie. Yes, there is. Like under the breath of Friar Tuck. All the leper jokes are perfect. Yep. Yep. The steaming pile of shit that KC yep. rubs on his <laughs> on his wardrobe. Yeah. Literally steaming. Yes. Of course. Yeah. You know why? Because it's all about realism. Yep. Method. It's so I like Bull's costume. Very inconspicuous. <laughs> no kidding. Uh Bull, we kinda wanna go on the low well, here's the thing. I got a hat, it's got horns. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna wear like a sleeveless, even though it's like February. Yep. Um feathers out the back. We got anything with cheetah? I kind of <laughs> need some spots. Okay, oh, well, gosh. that's that's a choice. <laughs> so, and then they got Fanny, who's a wonderful actress. Like she's so good. Yeah, she like drops the the rope down the castle wall. Yeah, so that LJ can wrap up the bows and arrows and everything, and she like pulls it up because they're hallway. taking all the weapons. You got to check the weapons in to see the hanging. Yeah, no no weapons at the wedding, which again. That's a good note. Yeah. So they're sneak. They got to sneak in all the blades and everything, right? And then she drops down. Like you see, little John like leaning against the exterior wall. Like, hey, how's it going? Yeah. How's it going? yeah. <laughs> Nothing to see here. And then she drops down the rope for him to climb up. Yeah, that was interesting. That's interesting. How one. fast? Like, what Navy SEAL training did he go through? Because I'm like, even a fit little John. That's a 15-minute exercise. I'm thinking somebody's going to walk by at some point and be like, there's a guy just climbing up a wall. And here's my question. Like, why did he need to do that? He already put the weapons up there. Just walk through the front fucking door. Walk through the front door. Okay. But it's all good. He can't be away from Fanny. Yeah, nah. Nah, he's got another kid to create. So he's got to spare 30 (laughs) seconds. (laughs) They get get in all the weapons and they start uh, distributing the weapons. And then you got Fire Tuck going in with Azim, who's covered all in cloth. Yes. Um, because for reasons that have been hit consistently in the movie, Azim stands out. So he's got big barrels in his uh, in his carriage, and he's telling the guy, ah, no, don't worry about that shit, it's beer. And uh, then he just keeps, like, mentioning that his friend has leprosy. Yes. And so they're setting, they're setting the thing of gunpowder next to the gallows. Presumably to explode the gallows, which we'll talk about that particular flaw in the plan later. <laughs> uh, but they get caught by the hangman, who's like, what is this shit? Get this out of here. And they're like, oh, okay, well, sorry, my leprous friend. And then the guy's like, wait a minute, he's got leprosy? Uh, yeah, yeah, nah, I'm out of here. Yeah. And then he's like, I'm sorry, is this your finger? Yeah, that was hilarious. And then, and then when they're walking away, did you catch him say, leave bits and pieces of himself all over England. <laughs> I did, and it was hilarious. <laughs> Loved it. Loved it. And I, I have to believe Michael McShane made that up. Oh, totally. Totally. Um, Not, judging by the writing and the rest of this film, he had to have. <laughs> I feel like on set they were just telling all the actors, kind of throw in whatever you want. <laughs> we need we need some words in this movie. Put some, I don't know, put some uh, little stank on it. I don't, you <laughs> no, do, I don't do what you do. That's what you do, so just... <laughs> 
<laughs> a little stank. Give me a little Regan on it. Um, so yeah, it's uh, Friar Tuck's just fucking owning this entire scene for no reason, which I love. Then we get to you know the uh, sheriff and Marion are coming in, and boom, we got we're walking in everything, and uh, all the all the prisoners are coming in. We're hanging people. Rob's in position. Um, I still can't figure out how the bow and arrow fits in the staff. Yeah. No idea either. Because it has to be curved at some point, right? At some point it should be curved, yeah. 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 I do want to say, though, this is before, like, we've got Will Scarlet in the crowd on the ground. Yeah. We've got Azim up top with a fire arrow who's going to start blowing shit up. Yeah. We've got Robin snuck in. He is the marksman. Mm-hmm. We have Bull to shut off the ingress-egress. We have Little John as, as muscle. And we have Fanny as sort of supplies. Yep. Right? That's sort of, I think, the crew that we're working with. They put a monster wine barrel of gunpowder next to the gallows. Yeah. To explode. Correct. Isn't that going to kill, like, everybody who's going to be hanging? Yeah, and probably some people watching. Well, I don't care about that. That's fine. We don't know those people. But yes, you are absolutely correct. It will kill everyone that's being hung. Is the plan... It's a success if it's not somebody who gets hanged. I guess so. Yeah. Because, like, yeah. I'm watching, like, I know you don't watch Bold and the Beautiful, but right now in Bold and the Beautiful, <laughs> this this girl was engaged to this dude, Wyatt, and Wyatt broke up with her, and then it turns out she got a month to live, so now he's, like, fake getting back together with her. And his girlfriend's like, that's okay, you should go be with her for the month and live with her or whatever until she dies because I don't want her to be sad. And that plan only works if she dies. Yeah, like if she true. doesn't die, it backfires. Do you think that she's faking that she's actually dying? No, I think that she's gonna. She, the doctors have told her she's dying. I think that it's gonna be that like they haven't said what she's sick with, which means we can always just cure that magically. Oh, and then he's Wyatt's gonna be in a pickle then. That's the thing. That's the problem with the plan. Is it only works if she dies? Yeah, that's the problem with this plan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is your plan is to kill them anyway, so why go through the trouble of the plan? That is very true. Very true. Yeah, another flaw in the script. Who would have thought? <laughs> but they fixed the flaw in the script. How do they fix it, Cole? Well, Jed, let me tell you. <laughs> Wolf is a piece of shit. That's true. Who can't leave well enough alone. And he yeah. goes after Will Scarlet, and they find Will, and the sheriff's like, Oh, you found him? He's dead? Cool. I don't care. String him up. String him up, well, too. Because of budget cuts... They don't have extra nooses. They only counted, this is how many people were hanging today, <laughs> yeah. that's how many nooses. Yes. They decide, let's string up Will Scarlet, we'll put his, we'll just cut his head off. Because we got <laughs> axes and shit laying around. Can we talk for just a sec about the spit down Will Scarlet's face? Yeah. Gross, but a great choice. Like, I don't know if that was direction, or if that dude was just like, I'm going to take a shot here and spit on Christian Slater. <laughs> but it was awesome. It was awesome. It was very and good. So he ties him up to ties him up to that. Now we can't explode it because then we'll explode Will Scarlet. And while we could have done that twenty minutes ago, now it's. I have a brother. I have a brother. Yeah. So we're going through all this, and Hangman's like, "Boom! Let's just start hanging people. Mm-hmm. Let's do this." We drop Wolf, and now Fanny's fucking freaking out. Little John's like, "What the fuck's going on here? I gotta save him." Robin's like, "I'll." Shoot his arrow. This is another great shot. Yes, it is. Uh, camera use with the arrow that uh, we follow the arrow through to break the rope. It takes two arrows because he's getting attacked. 
but beautiful camera work, excellent shots. Once Wolf is dropped and the, the line gets cut, all hell breaks loose. Yeah. We see that it's Robin. We have Azim blowing up shit behind him, which is another great scene. You got all that fire exploding behind Casey. This whole scene until we get, I would say, up to where Mortiana and them are in the uh, the, the honeymoon suite, I guess, would be the best <laughs> um, Rape palace. It is really well filmed. Yeah. Um, but I want you, I want you to do me a favor. Yeah. Yeah. I want you to take me through this scene. I want you to tell me how much you love this scene. So the battle scene is what we're going to go through here. I've been talking for a lot in this episode, and I'm sorry, guys, um, but I love this movie. <laughs> I think you know what I'm going to say about this scene is that I love it. Yeah. I want you to take me through the scene from the explosion behind Robin after he cuts Wolf down, through the fire arrow slow motion, all the way through. I just want you to, I want you to break that down for me. Well, I do want to talk about the arrow through the rope to get Wolf down. you got to lick that bastard. Obviously, that second one needs to be licked. Got to fly um, straight. I lick the basketball every time I shoot a three. This is how I play. It's very awkward, <laughs> folks, when you play with him. Um, I think the fire arrow is a great shot. I think the action is it's entertaining. All hell breaks loose. The catapult, I just... Well, before we get to the catapult, because I do want to add in all that, talk to me about, like, I know you had seen the fire arrow before. Yeah. That's like a Hollywood classic It's the cover of the fucking shot. movie. Yeah, but I mean, but it is like a historically great shot. Oh, it really is. It's it's absolutely excellent. I will say, full disclosure here, I don't remember this scene that well because at this point in the movie, the past couple times I watched it, I have been like, can this thing just end? <laughs> so that's why no. I'm struggling with this because I'm no, like, right. it all runs all together, good. and I'm just like, I know when he gets to Nottingham, and then when when uh, Azim kills the witch twice, and then when he fights. Nottingham, and then there's the camera on the ground with the rape that's about to happen, where you see her legs spread and all that yeah, kind of yeah. stuff. But the actual battle before that, when Little John knocks over the gallows, and then all hell breaks loose, it all kind of like it's it's all running. Yeah, in my that mind all together. no, it all runs. No, it, it does. And uh, you know, one of the things I love is when they slowed it down to 300 frames per second to film that arrow. Yeah, I think today we get the overdue matrix version of that true where true that arrow is traveling super slow for a really long time because it's the cover of the photo and because we've seen that that scene or that shot a million times in movies in the last 30 years they don't milk it in this film every no. time i see it i'm like oh it goes quicker than you think it goes way quicker i totally agree with you and it's it's spectacular because it's so quick yeah i just i love that usage of it that when I revisit it, I realize it's not the original film that overused it. It's movies going forward. Yes. Overused yes. it. No, this one, it's, uh, it's perfect. It's, it's That's what struck me when I saw it, again, was it's just part of the scene. It's part of the action. It's not a separate piece that is, like, emphasized. It's just, like, real quick. Because you don't know at the time that that's going to hit like that and become iconic. And that's the genius yeah. of it. Let's do talk about the catapult. Because I'm assuming you have two problems if I well, guess. here's my thing. I remember, and I don't want this to go on too long, so, but I remember I'm when I this. went... Don't worry about it. <laughs> I remember when I went to Universal Studios as a kid, and they would take you on the on the kind of backlot tour, and what they did on that one at the time is they had this one piece where it was like, this is from the show The Bionic Woman, and this is where they filmed this scene, and they would show you the scene, and they would show you that, and they're like, you can see how they had to tape her hair down because... In order to get the scenes where she jumps really high, they would film someone 
jumping down and then just reverse it. Right. And so that's why they had to tape her hair down because obviously your hair is going to do something different. The catapult scene, when these two rise up, is completely filmed that way. That is two people jumping down, and you can totally tell. And I'm just like, whenever I watch this movie, I'm thinking back to that. It's like, so we got bionic woman level stunts (laughs) in this fucking thing. These are our special effects. And then all of a sudden, they land in hay on the other side. It's just, it, it, I know it's a fun movie, and I know it's a fun scene. I just feel like, guys, you got so many of the, so much of the other action so perfect. This stands out to me like, this is a problem. You had to fix this. Yeah. My issue with the catapult is less on the practical stunt, which, yeah, it's not the greatest stunt in the world. It is just the physics of it. <laughs> yeah. No shit. One, for two reasons. One, that's just really good luck that there's hay on the other side. Yep. Yep. Because otherwise, that ends differently. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Secondly, I've seen catapults. Like, we just saw one in the the battle in the forest where catapults are flinging shit like 600 yards, not the equivalent of, like, 30 feet. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So. Yep. I, in a different movie, you just see them fly directly into the side <laughs> of the castle. Yep. I love the line from Christian Slater. Oh, fuck me. He cleared it. <laughs> it is my mom's, I think, favorite line she's ever heard in any movie. Because <laughs> since this movie came out, she looks at me and is like, Oh my god, that had to be ad libbed. It's so good. I'm like, Mama, I told you a million times it's ad libbed. I looked it up for you. I know that it's ad libbed. She's like, Yeah, but it's so great. And she's right. It's fucking awesome. But anyway, I agree with you. It is very obvious that they're jumping backwards. Yeah. Um. So moving on to the wedding, they decide we gotta get we gotta get a kid. Like that's the plan now. If we get Marion pregnant, if the sheriff gets Marion pregnant, he has a royal issue that he can then have a claim to the throne. That's sure. going to be the yes. whole. That, yes. You know, it, it, whatever weird. Mortiana logic that that makes. Yeah. That's the plan now. And they get him up there. They brought the bishop up. The bishop's going to marry him. The bishop does marry them under, you know, duress, even though he's obviously evil and shitty. And then he's like, I'm going to put a baby in you. And Marion's like, well, if you're going to do that, it's going to be rape. I'll tell you that right now. Like, this is, this is a rape scene, which is really weird to me that Mortiana, who's fucking evil and devilish, hands him a pillow to put under her head like that's gonna make it better well here's the other thing again and i know i've harped on it before she can fight marion can fight the sheriff off she's a fucking ninja so this is where like come on and even if you want robin to eventually be the one who kills the sheriff because he killed robin's dad the initial killing marion should be fighting the sheriff tooth and nail in an actual battle with actual skill and weapons until maybe the sheriff knocks her down, is getting ready to kill her, and then Robin flies through the window. Be awesome. You know, the quick fights to get Robin and Azim into, it's, it's, it's honestly, it's poor camera work because you get to the point where Robin is like an inch from the camera. Yeah. And it doesn't make any sense. But they get up there and they're like, oh, we got to beat this door down. Let's use a statue. Why do they stop using the statue after the head falls off? No idea. No idea. There's more statue there. And then Robin, really good at the estimating distance because... Again, flying down on a banner, that could end a lot of ways, but he hits that very small window right in the middle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very well done. Yeah. Also got to give credit to Azim, still kicking in there with the door. Yep. Uh, I still can't figure out how he got through Marion's door at the beginning of the movie. 
He's a magician, man. Yeah, I mean, so he's going to make it through this one, too, and I'm like, I still don't get it. Yep. Robin comes through, and now we have the fight that the movie's all been building towards in the, you know, the previous hour and a half. Is the movie longer than that? I'm not sure, because it goes oh, so Jesus. quickly. We get to the sword fight, and I love this sword fight. I genuinely love this sword fight because it's dirty. The choreography is not Princess Bride Not at all. No, no, no. This is sloppy, big, heavy swords, um, not technically sound. That makes it really good and really interesting and really fun to watch. Is We don't actually know how good these guys are at sword fighting. Well, And I love love that when uh, Robin's sword gets cut off, he's an expert marksman. But when he throws the piece... Not a great throw. (laughs) He's off by fucking five feet. Yeah, not a great throw. Like, you got to hit center mass there, man. Something. Come on. Sorry. It always just, it just bugs me. It's, it's a really, really good fight. Rickman's going for it. Casey's going for it. Um, they're using props all over the place. Uh, Marion's in the corner. Throws some candle wax on his uh, on him. It's, it's just really well done. Yeah. And then we get to the end where Robin's going to die. And then he stabs... Uh, the sheriff with the sheriff's own dagger, which exactly. is a beautiful piece of book ending, which I really liked. Yep. And I think Rickman's death here, while he goes for every inch of this death scene, he doesn't quite go over the top. It's one of the best death scenes I've ever seen in my life. It's a very good death scene. It's, very, it's Hall very of Fame good. spit. Yeah, absolutely. Could you tell me, though, what the cream is on his chest? No idea. No, no clue as to what weird sex stuff he was going for. <laughs> Um, I just, I don't know why they had to play the rape up so much to put the camera on the ground when he spreads no. her legs and all. just again, Kev dog, it's overdone. I mean, when I say Kev dog, Kevin Reynolds, like what, what are you doing here? Yeah. I assume all the negative Kevin comments in this podcast have been obviously Kevin Reynolds uh, directed. Um, so good guy wins. Like it's great. They, they have a kiss. It, everything's good. Then we go to the wedding now we get our stunt casting of Sean Connery. Yep, gotta have that Sean Connery cameo. The Sean Connery cameo is good for a couple of different reasons. Number one, he played Robin in Robin and Marion. Mm-hmm. Number two, he had just been in The Untouchables with Kevin Costner. I figured Casey Gay asked him for a favor. Dude made $250,000 for two days of work. That took two days. That was my next thing. Like, how did that scene take two days? <laughs> The what? only thing I can think of is because they were filming in the winter in England, and so maybe we had some weather issues. Maybe, yeah. But apparently he donated all that to charity, is what I read. Oh, good so, for him. Good for you, Sean. Good on, good on him. He was also asked to play Robin of Loxley's father. Oh. And he turned that down because he was like, I've been playing a lot of dads lately. Yeah. It's like, well, you're 60, so yeah, yeah probably. Yeah. Uh, I did forget to give credit to Casey's dad in this movie, who, you know, when he rides out in the horse and they kill him? Yeah. He actually almost died in real life because the horse fell over on one of the takes and went right on him. Oh, Jesus. And they were like, oh my God, we think this guy just died. And apparently that dude is just, just jumped up. He's like, yeah, I'm fine. Let's do it again. Fuck, so, man. Don't fuck with like, no. Wells. <laughs> so that's that's the movie, man. Like, that is, I, I love it. I know you don't like it. And by the way, I completely understand it. But it is a perfectly flawed movie to me. It, it, it is so entertaining to me, and it has so many of the things that I really, really like. Frankly, I'll probably watch it two more times this year. Just, like, all the way through. You know, you said it best earlier when you were like, "Are you? do you like the Robin Hood story? And I said, no. And that's why I think part of this movie is, is for the flaws that it has, 
I also don't really give a shit about the story. The story never sure. brings me in, and that's the that's the thing about it where it takes a lot. Like it took me forever to actually see Braveheart because I'm like I don't really give a shit about that time period and these kind of stories, and it's going to be this, and then that story grabbed me. That story I love, and that movie I can watch over and over. That's the problem with this one is. The story is whatever, but if the execution was better, I think I would go back to this one more. Right. And so the things I think that you like about it are the things that I'm like, well, I just don't care about that aspect. And so that's where it makes it difficult, which we have the same thing. I, I like different types of movies than you with that. I think this yeah. is good that we did a film where we're really not on the same page with most of it. But yeah. we can. I can totally understand why you love this movie. I can understand the place it has in your heart. I can understand how you can watch it and just see all the good things because i have tons of movies that are like that for me as you know teen wolf phenomenon we list goes on um, <laughs> phenomenon i'll put this is probably a good phenomenon uh analogy exactly because i love movies about like someone who becomes insanely smart or a genius or yeah. whatever and then their struggle with with whatever they're dealing with that kind of stuff whereas i not that you say don't you don't like those but that's not what you're drawn to necessarily yeah, yeah. And, like, Phenomenon to me is like, eh, whatever. Yeah, exactly, like, exactly. Mm. Uh, before we get into a couple of, uh, you know, postscript issues, we got to talk this music video. Have you ever seen the music video? Yeah, of course. Of course, I'm alive. Okay. Yeah, this, this, this song was so fucking big. Oh, my God. This song was so goddamn big. And you are the first person I've ever met who's actually a Brian Adams fan. I am a Brian Adams fan, unabashedly a Brian Adams fan. Yeah. I have also seen him in concert. Jesse and I saw him in concert like four years ago. And he was one of the last uh, shows at, in Irvine before they closed the thing. I was like, yeah, let's just go see him. Like, whatever. Really good show. Like, like technically, very good show. Yeah. Um, and, you know, cuts like a knife, baby. But everything <laughs> I do, I do for you. Phenomenal song. The music video plays, like I said earlier, through the credits. It's set in Sherwood. There's a bunch of cuts of the movie in it. Just a great, like, KC has had a knack for being in movies that have, like, number one songs for 15 weeks straight. So, uh, love, love, love that music. Before we get to Rex, I did ask you, do you have your top five Robin Hoods? So, I do. I do have my okay. top five Robin Hoods. Do you want me to go first, or do you want to go first? I will or? go first. I will, okay. I will tell you, I don't think I've seen five Robin Hood movies. Oh. So I'm gonna give you my top five. Are you ready for this? Uh, as ready as I'm ever gonna be. Coming in at number five is Taron Edgerton. Oh fuck you, <laughs> fuck you. Coming in at number four is Errol Flynn. Yeah, yeah. Coming okay. in at number three is Kevin Costner. You are out of your fucking mind. Coming in at number two is Russell Crowe. I don't mind that ranking. And coming in at number one uh -huh. is the fox who played the uh -huh. animated Robin Hood in the yeah, 1973 like Robin yeah. Hood Disney movie. All right. All right. All right. All right. So. Carrie Ells probably that. should have been five. I'm actually going to bump Edgerton off and Carrie Ells is going to be five. My bad. Yeah. No, you should be bumping Edgerton off. For yeah. I haven't even seen that one, but like I said, I haven't seen five Robin Hoods. So yeah. <laughs> Taron Edgerton, you're gone. Carrie Ells, you're number five for Men in Tights. So, number five for me, Sean Connery and Robin and Marion. Okay. Number four for me, Carrie Elway's Robin Hood Men and Tights. A movie I very, very, very much like. Carrie Elway's was also, prior to Kevin Costner being attached to this, offered the Robin Hood role in this movie. He could have done the accent. <laughs> I mean, none of the other shit. Never <laughs> would have been able to do the bathing scene. That's very um, true. 
Number three, Russell Crowe in Ridley Scott's Robin Hood. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Number two, The Fox in Disney's Robin Hood, <laughs> 1973. Because that movie fucking rocks. It's okay? a great fucking movie. The movie's just so goddamn good. It's so good. And number one, Kevin Costner. There you go. So, yeah, uh, yeah uh, Taron Edgerton, not on my list. That's just not a good film. <laughs> not his fault, probably. Did you watch know, it? But... I didn't watch it. How bad is it? Yeah, it was bad. It's really bad. Okay, thank it's, you, Lionsgate or Summit or whatever. Tr- yeah, it's Charlie Hunnam, King Arthur bad. Oh, shit. Yeah, it, yeah, it's not good. It's really not good. Um, Errol Flynn, also the original Adventures of Robin Hood. Like, eh, whatever. Like, it's not one of those classics you need to see. I'm yeah. not. It's not that good. So it doesn't make my list. But yeah, those are my top five Robin Hoods. But yes, I've also seen all of those. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I've seen all the ones now. I, I didn't see the Taron Edgerton, so that's why he's not on the list. Okay. But I've seen all the other gotcha. ones. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. We got to have Rex for the people, man. Uh, what do you got? I have. I hope I don't step on any of your stuff. But I was going to recommend the 1973 animated Robin Hood one, which I figured we both were going to recommend that. Yep. And because these aren't my like kind of movies... I definitely recommend Braveheart. That's a fantastic, phenomenal, great, great, great fucking movie. And honestly, that's pretty much it for me on Rex. Okay. I'm weak in that area on this one, man, so take it away. I got you. So I'm recommending some Robin Hoods for you. Uh, Jed mentioned uh, my second favorite Robin Hood movie, which is the Disney version. Fantastic. Also, check out Ridley Scott's Robin Hood. And like I said earlier, when you watch Ridley Scott's Robin Hood, watch it knowing for a fact it is a prequel don't actually watch it as a robin hood film just watch it as a movie call call it sherwood call it nottingham call it whatever but don't watch it as a true robin hood movie and i think once you rip those expectations away it's a very well-made movie uh, which with a very cool story like a really interesting story i think check out men in tights mel brooks fantastic uh carrie always is great um dave chappelle Wonderful. Amy Yazbeck coming in strong as Maid Marian. Then check out Count of Monte Cristo. I like this movie. I do too. It's just a fun movie. Uh, it's it's a wonderful adaptation of the book. There are some changes and as many issues as I have with Kevin Reynolds. He also just said, if you want the book, read the book. I made the movie. So I appreciate that attitude. And then for Alan Rickman, R.I.P. Alan Rickman. Uh, every time I think about him, I really get sad that we're not we're gonna we're never gonna see anything he ever does again. But much like this one, so check sad. out Quigley Down Under. I like that movie. I can't remember if I've recommended it before, but this is Tom Selleck, Laura San Giacomo. It's set in Australia. I don't know why I watched it. It was probably on TV, but I remember when I watched it, I was like, I got to go rent that now. Like, that's a movie I'm going to watch a lot. Really good movie. I guess I will recommend for some KC fans out there, Sizzle Beach USA. Sizzle Beach don't hurt. If he- so, <laughs> well... <laughs> Have we discussed how I can do the voice of the Sheriff of Nottingham from the animated film? We have not. Could you do that, please, for everybody? Well, I can could do it. I can do it. do it because he was in Back to the Future Part 3, so I can do his line from Back to the Future Part 3. Hopefully it sounds okay. Yeah, okay. So this this is, for those of you who haven't seen Disney's Robin Hood, you're not going to get this. But for those of you who have, your head is about to explode. Everybody everywhere is going to say <laughs> the Clint Eastwood is the biggest yellow belly in the West. <laughs> I love it. Oh, my God. I love that so much. The first time Jed ever did that, I laughed for about 15 minutes straight. Um, I think we've uncovered every stone for Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. If we've missed anything, you know you can get us at SigBurnsPod on Instagram and Twitter. You get us at CigaretteBurnsPodcast at Yahoo.com. Thanks again, Sarah, for sending in this recommendation. 
I'm sorry it took us so long to get to it. I, I believe the actual email read, can you please explain to me why in the hell you have not done Robin Hood Prince of Thieves yet? <laughs> something, something in that vein. But it was, A, great to hear from you, and thank you again for sending the email. Guys, we're loving all the emails and all the interaction. It's been really, really fun. Uh, if you have any movies you want us to do, uh, send them in. We will do them. We actually had an uh, episode already set up, but when this came through, it was like, well, those are getting uh, set back. So I think coming up, if you want to watch some movies to get ready for what we're going to do, we are working, uh, we're going to do The Departed. Yep. And then we decided to do what we kind of called Blind Spot Theater, which was we looked at the AFI Top 100 and picked a movie that neither one of us had seen. And we were like, oh, let's go through that and check it out. So it's going to be Robert Altman's MASH. So excited so for that. Yeah, yeah. If you check that out, you know, it may help working through that movie. I'm very excited to watch that. So those are the two episodes we have coming up. Uh, again, anything you guys want to talk about, hit us up. We love doing it. So I think that's everything, buddy. Can you think of anything? Nope. Later, Burners. All right, guys. We're going to leave you off with the dulcet tones of Canadian pop rock sensation, Brian Adams. We'll see you later.
you know it's true.